Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. I think the CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired to discuss and review the Supergirl Season 6 episode titled Nightmare in National City. And they definitely did have a nightmare monster running around in National City. Well, but part of National City. Uh, because there was a, a dome <laughs> that secured the <laughs> monster at one point. So uh, I guess it was uh, definitely and literally a nightmare in National <laughs> City. In this week. So that did happen. Uh, but before we get to talking about this week's episode of Supergirl, we need to get to the news. Well, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and since I am a breast cancer survivor myself, I asked Morgan if she would be okay with us raising some money for uh, an organization that I am a part of that uh, I, I uh, strongly believe in. Uh, it's uh, the um, Breast Cancer Research Foundation of Alabama. Since I moved back to the state of Alabama, I've uh, been part of the junior board of this organization. And so I'm hoping to raise some money of it, uh, money for it during the month of October. So uh, we're going to treat the next two Supergirl Radio live streams as a charity fundraiser. We've done this uh, before uh, with a DCTV podcast, but also uh, more recently, we did a, a specifically and an individually a Supergirl Radio charity fundraiser. So we're going to do that again with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation of Alabama. There is a link to it in a uh, link to where to donate in the video description below. Uh, I'm also going to put it in the audio podcast show notes. So if you'd like to donate, you could do it this week or next week. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the, the dollar amount is. Anything uh, is uh, appreciated. Uh, so if you would like to donate, uh, you can donate in the video description below. Or if you're watching, it's kind of complicated the way I try to figure it out on the YouTube channel. If you're watching on the homepage of the YouTube channel, there's a donate button at the top right where all the rest of our links are. But you can find the link to donate in the video description if you're watching the live stream now. So I certainly would appreciate it if uh, everybody... Uh, could try to at least, uh, you know, spread the word, sh share the link around. If you can't donate, if you if you um, don't have any money that you can donate, that's perfectly understandable. But if you don't mind uh, sharing the link and passing it around, that would be awesome. So we're just gonna uh, treat this like a like a fundraiser. We hadn't done a fundraiser since uh, last December. So oh my god, it's been so long. <laughs> it has been a while. Let's go, people, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how much we can raise in the next uh, two weeks. Um, so thank you, Morgan, for allowing me the chance uh, to use these two uh, live streams of Supergirl Radio to uh, 
to raise money for an organization that I care about. Um, the, uh, the funding that does go to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation of Alabama does stay in Alabama, but the impact of it is worldwide. There's a lot of research that happens in the state of Alabama. So uh, thank you for uh, anybody who uh, is able to participate. Yeah, that was a great idea. Rebecca like pitched it to me and I was like, that's amazing. I said, I didn't think of any of these ideas. <laughs> so, so I could take credit too. But uh, it's a great idea. It's a great cause. So if you can donate, uh, we would love it if you would. Um, we always love doing these charity shows um, because they give back to communities, but also because I like to watch the numbers go up on the thing. <laughs> it's I like very refreshing exciting. things a lot and going, ooh. Uh, so if you guys could just throw some money so I can have that in my life, that'd be great. <laughs> well, next time you can pick the charity uh, that we raise money for, Morgan. Nice. That that will be uh, that will be something that you can do for the next one. Um, so I, we can alternate it, I guess, every time we raise money. <laughs> nice, I like it. That's um, speaking of other things in the news, I had no good segue to that, <laughs> so I decided to just call it out. Just and do it. it. Just go. Uh, the CW released a trailer for The Flash. Armageddon, uh, a five episode event that will start on, no on November 5th, 16th, not 15th. Did don't I, watch it then. Did I put 15th in the. No, no, dark? my brain saw 15th. Oh, okay. It's, it is November 16th. Don't get it twisted like I just did. <laughs> uh, this event was going to feature Kyler Lee as Alex Danvers slash Sentinel, but she was not featured in this trailer. So, what's up with that? So we really don't have much to share. Uh, <laughs> people are trying to kill Barry's friends and family. What? What's new? Snooze. <laughs> <laughs> what's Alex up to? That's what I want to know. I hope that we get like a we get like a um, an update on how all the characters and Supergirl are doing because this is going to be you know post finale. I, oh, yes. but not by much. It's going to be like one much. week post finale. So I want to know one week post finale. <laughs> Just checking with them. <laughs> Just checking in. I hope that they maybe they bring somebody from Supergirl back for every crossover just so we can just get like periodic updates on the lives <laughs> of the super friends. <laughs> Esme is getting so big now. <laughs> Esme is graduating from high school. They just show her like school <laughs> photo every in every crossover just We're so that we know the passage of time is continuing. <laughs> We're all going to feel so old. Um, yeah, I wonder if the reason they didn't include Alex was because maybe it would be spoilery. What if what if Sentinel has a new costume? Ooh. By the, by the <laughs> what if the eye makeup has gotten Ooh. bigger and bolder? <laughs> they, they don't want to spoil that. Because then we would see no. like, oh my gosh, she has more eye makeup. Something has changed. What is going to happen? Something terrible has happened on the finale <laughs> of Supergirl. Alex comes with an eye patch or something. <laughs> I'm just saying they might be trying to hide something. It could be. Um, so in addition to getting, uh, well, not really getting any new footage from the Flash <laughs> Armageddon trailer for us uh, as Supergirl fans, uh, we did get a lot of stuff from DC Fandom. Uh, the second annual DC Fandom took place on October 16th. And there was quite a bit of a Supergirl represented throughout the event. So we are going to try to go quickly through this. There's a lot of stuff. So uh, hang in there with us uh, because I, I'm going to try to guide you through my fandom experience. I don't know, Morgan, Ooh. were you were you able to hop into the the dome? So un 
Uh, unlike uh, much, actually, much like the cast of Supergirl this week, I was outside the dome <laughs> while Rebecca was inside the dome. <laughs> I was trapped, trapped with the dream monster. I was, I was the calling DC the dream governor. Monster. <laughs> Help, get me out of here! <laughs> I don't care about Batman. <laughs> Send in the National Guard, please. Get me out of here. Um, um, but I did, I did sort of peek into the dome. I sort of like <laughs> opened the curtains, looked around. I I watched the Supergirl thing. I skimmed a little bit on the Smallville thing and went, I'll watch it later and then forgot to watch it later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I meant to watch the Batman trailer. I had such high hopes for watching it. And then I forgot that too. <laughs> so really I, I watched the, I watched the portion of the homework that I needed to do, which was the Supergirl section. Um, but nothing else really. <laughs> no, that's really important. I have to say, and this is just a tangent, but I want so much more from the Batman. I feel like maybe maybe they're just not showing stuff this early. But I'm just maybe. like, this is not anything new and different so far. But Rebecca, have you considered that if we just keep remaking Batman, eventually we'll make the most Batman version of Batman. We'll <laughs> get down to the essence, to the Earth's core of Batman. And only then will we be free. <laughs> There's there's a shot of Robert Pattinson as Batman punching a guy on the ground, and I was like, that looks exactly like the shot of Batfleck punching a guy on the ground for Batman v Superman. Donald Justice, it looks just like that. Did you know so, his parents died, and that made him very sad? It's gonna come up. I feel like <laughs> at some point, hmm. which is it what means happened, important. What happened to the Waynes? I wonder. I wonder. <laughs> I've never seen it before. <laughs> what if? They thrived in this one. Oh, see, that would be a twist. See, that would be a good twist. I like that. So many Batmans. Like, give me an Elseworlds Batman. Like, maybe this is a well. What if we have like a a well uh, rounded Batman who's like totally mentally normal, no <laughs> weird stuff at all, like running a bakery or something, and then like, and then for some reason he gets into shenanigans. Like, <laughs> he's like just like, but he's like really upbeat. He's like, come on, guys. <laughs> I want see that batman because i've seen the real version a hundred thousand times at this point i don't know like there was one shot where like it was upside down he was walking <laughs> towards the camera and there was fire and i was like what okay. we really need is another batman origin story that's what the world has been clamoring for <laughs> anyway that's a whole tangent i was just i was kind of <laughs> let down like they hyped up the batman trailer all throughout this four-hour event and i was like <laughs> okay I mean, like, so it was just standard Batman stuff. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> I mean, okay. Uh, and this is coming from somebody who's loved Batman. I'm wearing a fandom Batman shirt since nice. I was not since I was nine years old. So oh, I, yeah. I love Batman. I love had a Batman. poster of Michael Keaton standing in front of his Batmobile <laughs> on my pink bedroom wall. So I've loved Batman for a very long time. So I'm a little bit of a snob. So don't, uh, <laughs> it's, don't take it's my like, criticisms personally. We love Batman, but like make another movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see the same Batman movie another time. I swear. <laughs> we may need to take this to a Supergirl radio patron. patron <laughs> Just called Batman. Why? <laughs> Why get on record saying that the only thing that WB feels confident in doing is Batman? So they're like, would you like some Batman with your Batman? <laughs> yes. So there was quite a bit of Batman. But... Turning it back around. 
It was a lot of Supergirl at DC fandom. Nice. Which was uh, actually very surprising. I thought we were just going to get the Supergirl farewell tribute thing. Uh, but there was a lot of Supergirl. So right at the beginning of the DC fandom live stream, because it was basically a four-hour live stream. You just sat there and watched the video. Um, they did kind of a sizzle reel of all their, you know, their biggest hits, DC's greatest uh, hits. And they had some comic book covers that were sort of coming at the screen. And I slowed it down to see what they were uh, throwing up there. And one of them was Action Comics number 252, which is the, the official uh, debut of Supergirl. And uh, I thought that that was pretty momentous because it looks like it's uh, next to the first appearance of the Justice League of America, which also just happens to be, Morgan, the uh, first appearance of Snapper Carr in the DC Universe. So, Groovy daddy-o. <laughs> <laughs> got uh, two iconic uh, covers there. <laughs> two equally important characters <laughs> <laughs> made their debut. <laughs> Look, Snapper Carr helps the Justice League save the day. They couldn't have done it without Snapper Carr. Oh, it's no, very essential. Very important. Um, Jim Lee also shared some art that he had done specifically for DC fandom. And uh, some Ooh. of it did include a uh, Supergirl. So he, um, he, he basically did this big homage to uh, Crisis of, on Infinite Earths, the comic book cover of that. And so one of the uh, little sections that he drew was one of Supergirl. So we got a Melissa Benoist Supergirl suit in there. So that was pretty cool. And uh, one of the uh, uh, really cool things I thought uh, that was uh, happening that I probably won't be able to go to because <laughs> it's in Dallas, Texas at the AT&T, uh, I believe headquarters, the AT&T Discovery District in Dallas, Texas. I've actually been there. Uh, that was where they had the nightmares and dreamscapes or whatever it was called. The the exhibit about Zack Snyder's Justice League with the costumes. Uh, I went to Dallas specifically for that. <laughs> so I have been to the AT&T uh, Discovery District. And it is really cool because they have what they refer to as a media-rich lobby that features LED pillars that uh, can be animated and feature mm. sound. Um, so he, uh, Jim Lee... Uh, took all of these different uh, panels and pillars and he uh, created different designs for each of them featuring DC Comics characters. And one of them uh, was Supergirl. So that's pretty cool. So if you're in Dallas, Texas, uh, please send us uh, a video <laughs> of the Supergirl. I wonder if she's animated. Some of them, like the Aquaman is kind of animated with like water and some of the fishes that are in there. Um, so uh, so that's pretty cool. So I, I'm actually kind of jealous of the people who are in Dallas who could possibly go to the AT&T Discovery District because that looked really neat. That's cool. And uh, Jim Lee also shared a Chinese poster that was done for DC Fandom. And that also included some Supergirl in there. So that was pretty cool. So a lot of, oh, a lot, a lot of things really that, neat. that I didn't expect to have Supergirl in them <laughs> had Supergirl in them, including uh, the Catwoman Hunted animation, uh, the animated film that is uh, going to be coming out. Uh, so it's an animated film about Catwoman. But uh, Supergirl is among the characters that Catwoman seems to be facing off with. So Supergirl was featured in a few frames from Catwoman Hunted. So um, that's exciting, Ooh. I think. 
So I don't know if this is the actual Supergirl or if this is like a costume party that Catwoman is uh, breaking <laughs> into and these people are just dressed up like these heroes. I don't know. Uh, but I guess we'll have to watch Catwoman Hunted to find out. I was like, Bat- Batman got shorter, right? Like <laughs> he's, he's also really letting himself go. A lot of, Bat- lot of cake on that plate. <laughs> Batman is kind of like laid off of his like training regiment like he was like you know what gotham's fine (laughs) it's batman's time now (laughs) batman's living his best life he's shrunk a couple inches gained a few pounds gained a few pounds he's like you know what a catwoman and i we're happy we're happy this is this is the honeymoon phase you know i'm I'm not even gonna judge him for it he he's (laughs) he's earned that i think so good for good for him uh so we'll have to see what uh what is happening in catwoman hunted whenever that comes out uh, also, I want to give a shout out to David M. Jones, who uh, does uh, some graphics for the DC TV Podcast Network. He designed our Supergirl Radio logo, uh, and he was featured on uh, DC Fandom in the, uh, I guess, sort of the fan art submissions uh, that were happening. So he he did a version of the Super Friends uh, opening title sequence with Airverse characters. So he submitted that and got featured on DC fandom. So way to go, Dave. That's really um, cool. I love that Bebo is in that as well. Uh, holding it down for legend. <laughs> the, the, per, perhaps the second or maybe even first most important legend from that show. It's yes. Sarah Lance and Bebo. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be okay if it was just a show about Sarah Lance and Bebo? Oh God. I don't know. That might be the buddy comedy. We all really need. <laughs> I might actually watch an episode of legends. If that was that, the case. I mean, that would be a great show. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you did mention that Smallville uh, got some love from a DC fandom. It's the 20th anniversary of Smallville. They got a big Blu-ray coming out. Cause you got to own all 10 of seasons, <laughs> 218 episodes of Smallville including the one with the uh, kryptonite gum. So it's a really, really important show. And uh, they, <laughs> they, did have, <laughs> they did have an interview with Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling. And then uh, some other cast members sent in some video messages, including Laura Vandervoort, who played Kara Kent uh, and Supergirl on Smallville, as well as Sam Witwer, who played Davis Bloom and Doomsday. And uh, well, I guess uh, there was a guy in a suit who really played Doomsday, uh, but <laughs> Sam Witwer <laughs> played uh, Davis Bloom. And uh, of course, both of them have been on Supergirl uh, playing Agent Liberty and Indigo. So uh, that was cool to see them there. So if you're into Smallville, you can go check that out. All these things that we're talking about, there are links in the video description of the live stream. So you can go watch them for yourselves. Uh, DC Comics on their YouTube channel actually did chapter markers for the entire four-hour uh, video. Nice of them. <laughs> so helpful. So thank you to DC Comics for doing putting in that extra effort Bless. to Bless. make things so easy <laughs> to find. Blessings upon you, DC. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have that link in the video description as well. So if you want to go skip around to things you're interested in, you can do that. Um, so that was uh, super helpful that they did that. But all these things we were talking about are in the video description and will be in the audio show notes of the audio version of the podcast. So you can go check these things out for yourself 
yourself uh, in case you were like Morgan and were not inside the dome on Saturday. <laughs> um, we also got a, a a little bit of a look at the new Supergirl that we will be getting in the form of Sasha Kajay. Uh, she uh, was mm -hmm. featured among some some hyping up of DC stuff. So we got to see her as uh, herself, the <laughs> the actress, uh, Sasha Kajay. Uh, but they also showed a Flash movie sneak peek. Uh, Ezra Miller explained that they didn't have enough material yet for a trailer. So they just kind of threw some stuff together. And that's kind of what it looked like. Um, but, <laughs> <They're they've, seen. laughs> but we did get some first looks at the Flash movie and uh, there were a couple of shots with what looked like uh, Sasha Kajay's Supergirl. So this uh, first one that we're going to look at, I think is is the Flash looking at Supergirl, maybe? I don't know. It looks like she's... <laughs> it's it's either her suit or she's standing up. So I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it looks sort of like a blue arm, so I'm assuming that's her suit. Uh, so I'm not really sure. So I put that in there. I think that's maybe a Supergirl he is looking at. Um, then we also got uh, Sasha Kaje and Ezra Miller in a scene together. So it looks like Barry is uh, sort of leaning over her. She's lying down for some reason. I don't know what's happening in this <laughs> what's scene. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but uh, she is somewhere. I don't know if she's in Wayne Manor or something. I don't. I don't know what's going on. Uh, because I don't know if you've heard uh, Morgan, but Batman. Uh, multiple bad men are in this movie. So I'm, a, I'm sure, just, yeah, of course, in the Flash movie. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just assuming that this might be Wayne Manor because it looks like a fancy place. Uh, but in this uh, third shot here, we get uh, Sasha Kaje in the Supergirl suit, although we only see the top half. And I'm kind of bitter because <laughs> they, they didn't release uh, like an official costume picture of her. And I really wish they had put something out before they showed this because it it's so dark you can't see anything i thought she was just in another flash costume rebecca I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh are they all just being the flash right now that would be awesome twist <laughs> i would be into that but it does look like her her s shield there yeah you're right <laughs> yeah but i think that's a good assumption though uh because we do see two berries so that seems to signify a multiverse so that's very interesting. So I don't know what earth we're on uh, when we are in this scene with the two berries and uh, Supergirl of some kind. We don't know much about her, uh, but we did get our first kind of looks at Sasha Kaje. So I'm, I'm now going to be able to look at these things. I wanted to wait for official stuff, uh, but uh, we still don't have a really great look at like a like an official look at her costume, which is uh, what I wish we could get. But, you know, I guess we'll just uh, take it as it goes. <laughs> it's going to be great, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> or she's or she's another Flash. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would take either one. I, I, could, be, I could be into it. <laughs> I'll take whatever Supergirl you're going to throw at me. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> We've made it through so much other stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's we made even... it out of that dome. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> that's not even a struggle for me. Um, okay, and so uh, one of the last things that we'll talk about before we get to the uh, CW Supergirl, uh, so we'll, we'll save that for last uh but something i think we should also talk about that i think is very important uh that that really we it's something to really dig into we we got another look at uh dc league of super pets as uh, very important um and this and this time around we didn't just get to hang out with crypto uh voiced by the rock 
Uh, we got to see a little bit of Ace, uh, who is also referred to in DC Comics as Ace the Bat, the Bat Hound. He is Batman's dog. Uh, traditionally, I don't know if he is going to have the the Batman connection or not here in this uh, animated film, but. We did get to spend time with Ace, who was voiced by Kevin Hart. We didn't get to um, to learn what other characters are going to be in this film just yet, uh, but we did see two onlookers, uh, two other animals, uh, looking at Ace while he, um, I, I guess, relieves himself uh, on a <laughs> on a fountain in a park. Uh, so this is the real high class quality entertainment we're going to be getting from uh, DC League of Super Pets. I think it's going to be amazing. I think it's going to be, <laughs> I think it's going to be real highbrow humor. <laughs> it's, going to be like, it's going to be like a real thinker, like a real, like uh, you're going to go on like a existential quest with them. <laughs> what, what is the nature of life is, uh, is going to be, is going to be involved in this in some way, I think. Yeah. It's going to be real cerebral. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, really, yeah. You're really going to have to. We're going to have a long discussion about it. We're going to get like really into like we're going to be bringing up like literary references. Like, <laughs> I think I think that shot was classic Hitchcock is something we're going to say <laughs> as we talk about the film. <laughs> so that's very exciting. We get more DC League of Super Pets. I'm still like there's got to be a streaky, a streaky reveal at some point. I'm still like holding out coming. for streaky. It's coming. We uh, we got to hope. We got to hope. We got to I mean, hold out hope. I'm not I'm not crossing my fingers for Comet. That would be awesome. But I just I have a feeling Comet's <laughs> not a thing that's going to happen because that would just make me too happy. But I think we can get streaky. I think streaky is a possibility. So uh, so maybe maybe one day we'll see that. All right. So uh, just to hit the high notes on the Supergirl farewell tribute is what uh, they called it. A farewell tribute to Supergirl. So this uh, this featured the uh, entire cast of season six and then some uh we had plus <laughs> plus uh this featured melissa benoist kyler lee david harewood chris wood uh, makad brooks jeremy jordan katie mcgrath jesse rath nicole mains ozzy testify stas nair julie gonzalo and Peta Sergent. um so before they got into the actual cast discussion, because they were just kind of all sitting around talking about things and reminiscing, the video actually showed some behind-the-scenes footage of things that I don't think we've seen yet. So I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Morgan. So we we saw Lex Luthor with his gauntlets, which uh, I think he's in Catco. I don't. It looks like it. I mean, there's only like one office in all of National City, so, <laughs> so- Catco seems like a good bet. Yeah, so I don't think we've seen that as of yet. There was also uh, what looked like a scene of Supergirl and Brainy and uh, Lena Witchy Luther maybe <laughs> casting a spell of some kind in the tower. Brainy's you can tell she's doing witch student. stuff because her hair is crimped and yes. it's curly and it's free. It's yes. free like the witch powers inside of her. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be very important. Brainy's wearing his her, his uh, purple super suit. So something must be very important in that moment. So and then we get sort of a reverse of that looking at Brainy uh, from, I guess, more so Lena's uh, point of view. So uh, so there's that. And then uh, Brainy also, uh, it's worth noting, he has um, the three sort of like Brainiac dots on his forehead, um, which he doesn't typically have. So that's very interesting. interesting. So, uh, and, and it also um, it gives a little uh, like COVID behind the scenes look. What the, <laughs> yeah, what the, the clear plastic shield on over top. <laughs> yeah. So 
so that was kind of interesting just from behind the scenes uh, point of view. Um, the first thing they talked about was uh, how has Supergirl impacted your life? And I think maybe, Morgan, we should uh, adapt some of these questions to our end of the show review Ooh. to get real deep and um, yeah, really sentimental. Get in there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we, we might say, Are you these. ready to cry, Rebecca? <laughs> We are really going to get emotional about it. Um, so uh, the question was posed to the cast, how has Supergirl impacted your life? Uh, Melissa said that it uh, changed her life, obviously, and that it's been a joy to see how the mythology affects people, young girls, and the people who look up to the characters. And she also called it very meaningful. Uh, David talked about how he went home with a pile of Martian Manhunter comics to read because he was excited to play a brand new character after only being initially cast as Hank Henshaw. And uh, David also talked about how he enjoyed meeting everyone on the show and getting the chance to direct episodes because he definitely uh, did that. And they were very good. Uh, so the next one uh, that they uh, sort of talked about was their favorite moments. And Jesse Rath actually talked about uh, <laughs> the the scene between uh, Melissa Benoist's car and Stasnera's Williams singing Africa on the show doing a little... <laughs> karaoke uh so I, I think that's a great scene uh to choose from the show if you were talking always, about favorite, favorite always moments. a classic whenever we get some karaoke <laughs> yeah so that's uh that's what he talked about during that uh melissa talked about her favorite episode which i believe was supergirl lives uh she talked about it being kevin smith's first episode to direct and how he ordered a bunch of bacon trucks for meals i guess i guess I feel like was, it was her favorite episode because of the bacon trucks. <laughs> well this must have been before uh i don't think kevin smith had his heart attack or whatever it was by this point that it must have been before that because i don't think he would have ordered bacon trucks after his near-death experience <laughs> uh and uh she talked about how it was pouring pouring rain in that episode and Melissa and uh, Kyler mentioned the Maldorians, the aliens from that episode. Do you remember uh, Joe the alien? Do you remember I, us talking about Joe the alien? Vaguely, vaguely. It's funny. She was talking about that episode and I thought, oh, I have to rewatch that one. I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, I remember Joe the alien because we were sort of hoping he would be kind of like a, another Brian the alien. And he came for one episode and kind of left. We were always hoping for the best for like recurring characters that never <laughs> really panned out. We'll never know about it, Pam from HR. We'll just never know. So I, it's nice to know, though, that uh, Melissa enjoyed the Maldorians as well. They seem to have a, a good, uh, fun laugh about that. Uh, the next thing they talked about was the, the wildest scene or stunt. And Chris Wood talked about how he messed up his job by having to eat 10 pancakes at once. Uh, must <laughs> must be a tough life. Uh, Melissa also talked about how uncom her uncomfortable wire work during uh, flight scenes with Tyler Hecklin in season two. And Ozzy and Makad, uh, Makad talked about being carried by Supergirl. So a lot of uh, discussion of the flight stunts and things like that. It definitely does seem very uncomfortable. So I don't envy that at all. You get to fly, but then you also have to be on a wire. And that's yeah, it's probably probably less fun. I honestly forgot about that gag with a uh, with Monel eating all those pancakes until they like showed the clip of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, rough. that's going to be a rough stunt. I, I like how he considered that a stunt. Like that was hard work. Well, I mean, it, <laughs> had all I those can, pancakes down. Like, I mean, I guess it kind of is. Um, but it, I can see how that would mess up your jaw. That would not be so fun. Uh, so they uh, also talked about some funny moments. 
Uh, Jeremy Jordan explained cloth magic. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, Morgan, if you <laughs> this remember. This the highlight of the whole clip package for me, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so explain cloth magic to uh, people who didn't watch it. So apparently cloth magic was like a, like a bit they had on set where they would put up their cape. And then when they took down their cape, something weird would be happening behind the cape. So, like, they would put up their, like, uh, like uh, Melissa Benoist would put up her cape and then she'd put it down. And, like, somebody would pop up from behind making, like, a weird face or somebody would, like, be doing something strange in the background. And, like, I just, I, I really liked, because the rest of it was kind of like, what's your favorite moment? And then they were like, here's, like, a weird thing that we all did on the set. And, like, here's a video of us doing it. And it was really funny. Like, you could tell that they were just, like, having a good time. Yeah, I definitely want to try a cloth magic for sure. Uh, also, for funniest moment, Peter Sargent talked about how funny Matt Barham, who plays Mitch, is. He does seem like a funny guy. Uh, Jesse also talked about how David Harewood would forget a line when he was directing. So uh, that was pretty well delivered. Uh, Jesse talking about about how that would go down. So definitely watch that if you haven't. I liked him also talking about like how like intense David Harewood would get when he was directing. He would be like, "Okay, this lots is like, of energy. This is what, what's happened? Lots of energy." And then it would like just crown to a halt, and he'd be like, "Line." <laughs> <laughs> like the the impression that Jesse Rath did was so funny. Like you could definitely see from like David Harewood if you like watch like interviews with him, he does seem to, like be a high energy kind of intense person. <laughs> like the idea of him like, "All right, everybody, come in with a lot of energy." Wait, what's my line? so that was a pretty fun story uh they also talked about favorite fan interactions uh katie talked about getting a lot of letters from young girls who are interested in science uh because uh as we were reminded this week uh lena luther uh knows some (laughs) things about science we i think we forgot about that a little bit because she was Uh, she's been busy so into magic sniffing branches and looking at her grimoire so So, uh, so science is a big deal for Lena Luther. Uh, Melissa also told the story of a little girl and this was really cute and I'm not going to do the impression of it because you have to watch (laughs) Melissa tell it, but, uh, she told the story of a little girl who wanted to know if her belt as Supergirl was attached to her skirt or to her shirt. Uh, the answer, if you're curious, uh, the belt was not attached to anything. It was essentially a (laughs) taped on belt. Um, so that was a really cute story because she, she basically, uh, did the impression of the little girl and it sounded just like a little kid would be asking the question. It was, it was so cute. And the uh, the Lena story I thought was really interesting, the Katie McGraw story, because it reminded me of like what they call, I think it was in like the 90s, what they called like the um, the Scully bump, which is that like when X-Files was on and Scully was like in uh, in that show, there was like a huge bump in like applications to like uh, women applying to like STEM programs and the FBI and all of that because they saw Scully do it and they were like that's so cool she's can do it I can do it so I like the idea that there's like a somewhere out there there's a small Lena Luther bump <laughs> and, and I have to imagine that there's a going to be a similar bump in witches uh, now <laughs> just people being like if Lena Luther can make that poultice I can make that poultice <laughs> oh, well uh, that is the Katie McGraw effect I guess <laughs> Uh, Kyler talked, uh, uh, she brought up a story about, uh, San Diego Comic-Con of a family of two daughters, one who was the biological daughter and the other one, uh, who was adopted. And, 
brought up the the parallels and connections to the Danvers sisters, which seemed like a sweet uh, story. And Nicole and Melissa talked about uh, kids who think they're real uh, life superheroes. So that is a, a tough thing to do with uh, children. I've seen I've seen cosplayers have to to deal with that. So uh, kids are kids are really sharp and they pay attention. Uh, so that was something that was interesting to hear them talk about. And uh, the last thing they talked about, because this this got a little sentimental, I think uh, the question was, what will you miss most? Uh, and so Julie uh, Gonzalo talked about how she was going to miss the people and the collaboration on set. And Makad Brooks uh, talked about how, uh, from his experience, be- having been gone since the beginning of season five, it's going to you know hit him months after the show ends and realizing that it won't happen again is going to hit him. And David Harewood referred to uh, the cast and crew as a family that supported each other. And Melissa uh, thinks that she'll miss playing a superhero eventually uh, because, uh, you know, she's got a, a little one <laughs> right now which i'm sure um takes up a lot of her energy and time uh so eventually it's gonna hit her that she won't be playing a superhero anymore so that was kind of the rundown of uh the most supergirl uh aspects of dc fandom so if you missed any of those things i was surprised they um they live streamed the entire thing to lots of different youtube channels and then they kept them around. Last year, they only put a few things on YouTube. And so this yeah. time around, they were just like, here, have it all. Just <laughs> what, what if, what if, in case you didn't have time to enter into the dome, <laughs> <laughs> what if we just put it up so that you could watch it kind of like when you're like, scheduled? Whenever. Like, I, I came home later that night and I was like, well, I'm not in the dome, but the dome is still available to me. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> So that was actually kind of shocking, but uh, it was nice to see that they made all of that available for people who uh, may have missed it. All right. Well, let's get to talking about this week's episode of Supergirl titled National City. And here is the official description. Quote, Kara lands her dream story for Catco, but when the city is suddenly attacked by a nightmare monster at the same time as her interview, she is forced to take a serious look at her life and decide if she can continue to live as both Kara and Supergirl. As Dreamer, <laughs> as Dreamer takes the lead on uh, the search for the Dream Totem, which can vanquish they nightmare. That's what. It, that's uh, that's Veronica. Veronica. That's what, that's what it says in the description. I checked this description on multiple sites, multiple websites, multiple outlets to see if Not anybody else. Nightmare. <laughs> instead of saying the nightmare monster it says they nightmare i just i'm reading it as veronica wrote it she did not proofread her work this week but you know she started out so strong with that dream pun she's like carl lands a dream story but then there's a nightmare monster and like like veronica was doing it she was telling a story she was was using metaphor to like really bring us in to draw us in she was honestly telling a story that maybe wasn't even told on the episode about how (laughs) carl was really having to take a good look at her life and then and then a typo, Veronica. It's so really disappointing. disappointing. <laughs> uh, which can vanquish the nightmare monster in National <laughs> City. She realizes she needs to ask her sister Maeve, guest star Hannah James, for help. Old wounds. And I am I smelling Maeve wrong? Is that how you spell Maeve? And I don't U-V-E? think so. I don't think that there's a U in there. That's for, for that looks like Mauve. 
Veronica, come on Veronica. now. You know what? Everybody's just phoning it in at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's episode 16. This show's over in a few episodes. It doesn't really matter anymore. Veronica's like, I'm never getting that promotion. Day nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to get what I write down. And then the description ends. Old wounds resurface as the two sisters come face to face. Unquote. All right, so one of the big things that came out of this episode was uh, Kara quitting her job at Catco, which is now the second time that Kara has quit her job at Catco, the second, the first time being uh, the uh, beginning of season three in Girl of Steel, uh, when she's she's just leaning into her Supergirl side. She doesn't want to have anything to do with Kara Danvers because Kara Danvers sucks right now because Kara Danvers just lost the love of her life and she doesn't want anything to do with Kara. So she just leans into Supergirl. And so that's why she quits cat co in season three is that she she doesn't think the cat co thing is important anymore and now she quits cat co again um mm -hmm. <laughs> uh because she can't keep a, an appointment i guess so uh Mor morgan what do you what do you think about this development that she uh decides that right now car danvers wants to just be supergirl i hated it thanks uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I, oh man, uh, watching this episode, I was like, what is happening in a lot of different areas, but specifically here in like this story, why this close to the end of the show, would you make Kara quit her job? And it would be one thing if like her job was just like a front that she kept up or something that she wasn't that excited about. But you spent like an entire season telling us about how the press is so great, right? And that how it's how important the press is and like the press will, you know, is going to take down Lex. So, the not fourth the super estate friends. is going to save the day. The fourth don't worry, it's the fourth estate here to save the day. And uh a car gets a Pulitzer. Maybe she doesn't have it now, maybe she we're, does. We're not, we we're we'll not really never sure. know, yeah. really. But like you kind they kind of then made it a big deal for her. Like she is a, a good reporter. Um, her friend in the jail said she was the best he's ever read. <laughs> he read a lot of newspapers. When she shows up, she shows up. <laughs> and then you to just have her quit to me felt so weird and it did felt feel like it was kind of out of nowhere. There hasn't really been a lead up to this. They're just like, I don't know if they're just going to drop this important aspect of her character, like what, four or five episodes from the end or that, she, that she's had the whole show, the whole show. Oh, or <laughs> if, <laughs> or if they're planning on bringing it back in some way, we don't have a lot of episodes for that is the thing. And <laughs> <sighs> I'm getting, I'm getting hot. It's okay. It's okay. We're good. We're good. Um, the problem is that they keep doing this kind of stuff as if, they've got like another season to go. Like yeah. all the storylines that they're kind of, with the exception of the dreamer stuff, which again has been really consistently good this season. It feels like the only story they can tell in an arc <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, that aside, that stuff's been great. Everything else is like, why would you wait until this far to start telling this story? Why would you wait until this far to be like, our, our scientist, what if she was also a witch <laughs> what if she wasn't <laughs> like they waited this far to like make uh kelly uh guardian why like we're so close to the end 
they waited this far to finally have Alex remember she wanted to adopt and then just have like a child fall into her lap. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's just, they've uh, like, I'm assuming that, I don't know, maybe Ka- Kelly and Alex are going to get married. Maybe they won't, but like, I'm assuming that'll happen in about 30 seconds off screen at this rate. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's mind boggling why they're starting all these like new storylines with like so little ramp to tell them. Like there's not that much room to tell Alina which storyline. So why start it now? Like she's got other stuff. You can just resolve that stuff. Like, no, no, like she's, believe me, she's going to sniff some branches. It's got, everyone's going to love it. It's going to be great. Her hair is going to get so free. And it felt, and this one felt a lot like that. I don't think it helped that like her main, it seemed like the main portion of her decision about making that choice was with William, like a, I mean, God love William. He can bake. Boy can bake. He can write stories. He can do all kinds of like, hey, yeah, he's great. <laughs> he did an accent this week. He did an accent. He, he can really, he's got it all. He's got it all. He's he's a re- renaissance man. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like it would hit a little bit harder if she was having that conversation with like literally anyone else. Literally anyone else on the cast. I think would be it would feel like a more serious discussion if she had it with Alex for one you know Alex you remember that they're sisters and stuff uh or Lena like her best friend or you know uh Jean who's kind of like her space dad literally anyone literally anyone but instead they had give that like the the Kara you know scene where she's deciding to quit her job that she's that's been very important to Kara and William so it didn't feel like it hit me that hard. And then I was like, oh, is she really quitting? I have to be honest. I thought she was going to get fired. <laughs> See, that would make more sense. <laughs> now, listen, I don't want her to get fired. But would that be satisfying to me, a person who jokes that she never shows up for work? Yes, it yeah. would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> and we see Andrea being like, all right, well, fourth time's the charm, isn't it? Like, <laughs> What? fire her what kind of boss are you <laughs> um but like yeah so i thought like okay well car finally car's chickens are coming home to roost she never shows up to work she blows off important interviews now she's gonna get fired she was like car's like you know what you th- these demands that you guys are making of me showing up doing the, <laughs> this work showing up to an interview when i told those interviewers i was going to be there unreasonable i'm <laughs> i'm going elsewhere it was just I don't know, man. I don't know what's happening on this show anymore, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with her un- unless they have some something where she's going to be doing something else. I don't see why you would pull her off of being a reporter at CatCo at this point. It's it, the begin. Maybe in the beginning of the season or like when she comes back from the Phantom Zone, she could be like, you know, I really reevaluate it. And I think I really need to focus in on being Supergirl and goodbye Katka, or you know at the end of last season sometime last season maybe even i don't know i don't know when it would have made sense for her to like give up her dream job i'm i'm just spitballing but uh, four episodes before the end is not the appropriate time for a big change like that for a character it seems crazy 
Well, and and looking back, I rewatched that scene where she quits uh, with um, uh, I was going to say Makad with James in season three and uh, the girls deal episode, the season three premiere. You can obviously sense, or at least I could. I don't want to speak for everybody. Yeah, but um, in that scene, I could infer that this is a bad decision that Kara is making. This her quitting Catco, she's not supposed to do this. She's uh, you know uh, acting irrationally. This is a bad decision that she's making. She shouldn't be doing this. Here it's like, well, okay. Well, I guess she's quitting because she can't do both things even though I kind of thought we sort of went through this in season 3 when the whole season was about her identity and being both Supergirl and Kara Danvers. Uh, but now we're doing this again. So I don't really, um, I don't understand what they're doing either. It seems very strange. So I guess I'm not going to get what I would have done with Kara by the end of the show and make her the, the new cat grant. That's what I would have done. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. she could just not show up whenever she wants. She's yeah. <laughs> she could go hang out in a yurt for as long as she wanted to. And nobody <laughs> would care. But I mean, that's what I would have done with Kara in her, her end game on the show. But, I guess that's not happening. I did like, I did like that she got to, called like, out on it, though. Yeah, like, what a weird time, though, to, like, underline that she's just been, like, blowing off her job for years at a time. It's just, like, I thought that that was just the reality of the show that we lived in. And we made fun <laughs> of it, but, like, it wasn't a big deal. But now Andrea's like, yeah, no, it's, I mean, you're never here. And that is annoying. And you do, you do go off for months at a time and tell me you're going to have a story. And then you just don't have a story. feels like when you got back from the Phantom Zone, maybe you could have made up at least some story to bring in but it's okay it's okay i forgive you because of that pulitzer you may or may not have <laughs> and i was trying to uh figure out is it and, and everything with car and journalism is unethical but um so <laughs> so just to clarify what i was watching so what i as i understood it Kara was going to be uh, uh interviewing the heads of state from uh, Kaznia and Corto Maltese, the two countries that she, um, she, those are the two countries in the previous episode, she uh, took their nuclear arms and threw them into the sun. Is that correct? Yes. So she, de right? she destroyed their weapons and then she was going to interview them about it. Uh, so that, that I mean, that seemed a little questionable to me. The thing about the thing about the journalistic ethics on any super, really, like Superman, Supergirl, it would be weird if Superman did it. No, yeah, you you just have to kind of go. That's not right, and then just sweep it away. Just sweep it away. Let it let it le let it leave you. Let it go down the current, and just stop thinking about it. Because if you think about the fact that she writes a lot about like what happens with Supergirl, and she is Supergirl, yeah, it gets problematic real fast. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, it may be the case that she. Uh, William suggests with the Cat Grant advice that that maybe right now. Just, just for right now, she's got to be Supergirl. So maybe she'll she'll come back and be Cara Danvers, and maybe she'll get that Catco job back. But at this point, I'm like, just don't go back to Catco. At this point, you've quit your job at Catco twice now throughout the run of the series. <laughs> you clearly don't, don't like it there. <laughs> don't go back to Catco. Do something else. So at this point, I think I'd rather Cara just do something else. I I would love I would love it. This is never going to happen, but I would love it if she uh, went to do. 
uh, camera operation at a local news station oh. like uh, she does in uh, around the 70s and 80s era of Supergirl comics. That's never going to happen because I've never picked up a Supergirl comic. But that's what I would have her do. What if she's doing a local theater production okay i'm just i'm pitching out she's doing a local theater production I like where you're going. clearly there's, there's four episodes left so we have time for this we have time <laughs> we've got for, it we've got time to establish that she has an interest the, in like acting. play e- episode like the shakespeare <laughs> episode and there's a there's a talent scout in mm. the audience and he's like who who is she <laughs> and <laughs> he's french and so then she becomes a soap opera actress what if that was her new career oh, i just i just, just pitching things out i just wish that would happen i don't care if it if it happened in one scene and we saw the rest of it off screen i i would be fine with that uh, but yeah, so that I just at this point, I kind of would rather her just do something else because I, I just don't think the cat co thing is working out. Doesn't doesn't feel like it's a good fit for her. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I am interested in um uh, in your opinion, Morgan, on this because for um for around six years, this really hasn't come up very much. But all of a sudden, the super friends are really concerned about the public's perception of them. <laughs> they did the negative for press. a long time. They were like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are the public saying something? That's cute. And now they're like, oh my God, what if they don't like us? <laughs> did you read that tweet? Alice, did, don't read that tweet about your hair. <laughs> don't read the comments. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> like, what, why do they care now? Yeah. So I don't know. I I, I think it's really, it could have been really interesting if they had done this through the whole show because the, the interaction between the governor was really interesting to me because the governor should be telling them what to do, I feel like, than, than the other way around. I like that they they feel like they are above all forms of laws, right? <laughs> all forms of laws and, like, local, state, national government. They're like, excuse me, governor, governor, it's cute that you think that you have a say. But I think that the bubble enhances your <laughs> And I think you should thank us. <laughs> like, I understand that they need it to, like, stop the nightmare monster from getting to the nuclear plant. Um, but on the other hand, we did. OK, so here's the thing. And I'm I'm going to get dark. And I hope we're all ready for, go, go for we, it. Because I'm sure Anna has gotten there already. Don't worry. <laughs> we haven't made it to the snap judgments, but she has. We saw that bubble cut a, a food truck in half. Yeah. How are they guaranteeing that there was no human being where that bubble was. Is there a couple of people who got cut in half, maybe? <laughs> I'm sure people died. There was people a people got cut in half. There 100%. was a hundred percent. Giant nightmare monster who would go invisible. <laughs> so probably people got stepped on or hurt. And somebody probably got chopped in half because yeah. of the dome. One one sad food truck, a couple sad people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny that the super friends seemed really agitated that the governor was like upset How about it. Dare and, she? And, and I was like, <laughs> the governor has people trapped in a dome that she can't control. What do like, you want her to do? Isn't this like the exact plot of like a Stephen King book? We will we will get to that called uh, Under the Dome. <laughs> yeah, we, we have a listener who who wrote in about that. I'm also a little agitated from a comic book p- perspective that they didn't do this before because there's a whole storyline in the comics that I haven't read it in a while, but it's called new Krypton and Supergirl is part of it. And basically the premise of it is that I think it's the bottle city of Kandor or, or a bottled city that is like enlarged. 
And so there is a new Krypton uh, that gets um, formed. Oh. And and I kind of wish they had done some sort of. We have Brainiac Five on the show. It would have been if they had the c- capacity for dome effects. <laughs> why didn't they do like some kind of new Krypton uh, Bottle City thing? I, I I just I was like that's that's another you know chalk that up on a list of missed opportunities from the show. But I I kind of wish they had done that. I think every time that they decide to like focus on a different thing that they've never focused on before it opens up like a real can of worms situation like a real (laughs) pandora's box Mm. where then i think i talked about this the last time and i guess i'm probably going to continue to talk about it forever but the the thing is to not underline why things work the way they work on this show (laughs) if you're just like listen she never shows up at work she looks exactly the same with her glasses on and off, she's Supergirl. I'm like, cool. Yeah, sure. I love it. Yeah, I go love for this it. journey. I'm taking this journey with you. Her friend's a witch. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Nothing matters. But if you start underlining things like, oh, hey, now they care about the public perception. Now I have to go, why didn't they all along? Right? <laughs> so now, now I'm questioning things about the reality of the show that you have set up where they don't care about public opinion. But now that they do care about public opinion, now I have to think, why didn't they before that opens up a whole can of like consistency <laughs> about the show. And I know the answer. Why didn't they before is because the Raiders never considered it and no one cared. And now they do <laughs> because they're like, let's get into Let's really, let's really dig into this. No, no, it goes against what you set up in your world. You can't have it. <laughs> I just want to go into that writer's room and just slap some hands and say, no, you can't have it. <laughs> but Morgan, as Anthony uh, reminds us, it's all about power. 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 We're really but- digging into the theme at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, yeah, four episodes from the end. But, <laughs> but it's the same thing with, like, the governor. They have done some truly insane things and never once has the governor been like hey don't shoot some toxins into our atmosphere (laughs) we don't know what that's gonna do to people maybe don't do it there's shh shh don't it doesn't matter but now (laughs) we put up one measly bubble and suddenly it's like i'm calling in the national guard why didn't you for any of those other emergencies (laughs) what have you been doing and again now i need to question the whole reality of the show as a whole as they've set it up and it's like don't open the close the box close the box back (laughs) and why didn't we hear about the wouldn't the mayor be more important in this scenario with your one would think your your (laughs) local government taking uh taking issue with the dome why the governor? This is I mean, the first I guess, time we've seen that governor. I guess the governor was important because of the National Guard, maybe? Is that... I just couldn't get over the governor's haircut. It was very unfortunate. It was all I could focus on. Well, I was like, you know, the mm, governor's... Honey. Honey. She's got a lot going on. There's so she, much she, going on. She really can't focus on her hair stuff. <laughs> she, was, she was like, you know what? I'm so busy. Just give me a bowl. I got it. Just, <laughs> just whatever you're going to do. Just do it. Uh, yeah, so there's there was a lot of discussion about who was uh, the the more powerful uh, entity in this episode. So it is kind of weird that all of a sudden the super friends care about the public opinion of them. Like, I guess you could kind of say, well, before they worked for the DEO and somehow that made them like immune to all criticism. But I don't buy that because like Supergirl wasn't like 
undercover somewhere. She wasn't doing black ops in National <laughs> City. <laughs> she wasn't like painted camouflage, like coming out of a shadow, right? She was in a, a giant costume flying through the air. She's always been a public figure. One would assume there's always been a certain amount of public criticism that goes along with it. And like, it's only now that she really cares. <laughs> Yeah, and she issued a uh, an apology on the, <laughs> on the TV. I guess. Sorry about that dome. <laughs> uh, so uh, so we we did get something of a Supergirl hope speech, but it was more so just a hey, this this is on me, guys. I'm I'm just really sorry about <laughs> what's gone gone down. Um, so there is that. So Supergirl did uh, have some airtime with whatever CatCo does. Uh, Nicole has a great question here in the chat. How does the governor know to call the tower? Is there a Super Friends hotline? That is a great question. Great question. Great. We'll never. We'll probably never know, but it is a great question. <laughs> I guess they called the governor and said, "Here, put us on your speed dial. Put put us in your phone. Put us in a list." Uh, so I, I guess they just became friends with the governor and swapped digits. That's the only thing I can think of. But that is a great question because um, they, they were all talking to her. Jean was, Alex was. <laughs> Emma asks, why wasn't Alex in disguise when talking to the governor? I guess, I guess it's cool that the governor knows that Alex is sensible. Or maybe she just knows her as Alex Danvers. Maybe that doesn't. Matter. Yeah. Maybe she's just like, ugh. If there's a if there's a dome in this city, I know Alex Danvers is involved somehow. <laughs> <laughs> That's really going to narrow things down uh, for the governor when she thinks about the super friends. Uh, yeah, no, now I kind of want more information about their working relationship with like government officials. Yeah, like, how how does this work? You know, so uh, we'll never get that because we only have a couple <laughs> episodes left. But like before. When there was a DEO, I understood. Like, I understood, yes, like, the DEO is, you know, kind of rubber stamping all these crazy things. And it's like, yeah, they're a government agency somehow. And, you know, we saw, was it uh, Corporal or General or Haley? Uh, Colonel Haley. Colonel. I was going to go through every single one of them (laughs) until I got it. But we saw her, like, come in and be like, all right, you guys are, you know, not responsible and I'm taking over. Um, so, like, we've seen stuff like that with them interacting with different governments before. The, we saw, like, uh, a pre- the president. President, president Wonder Woman. President Wonder Woman. There. Uh, then there was the person who re- replaced President Wonder Woman, who was kind of a jerk, uh, I think. That was not Plastino. It was another guy. <laughs> Baker, maybe? President. <laughs> yeah, President Baker. Baker, and she, maybe? She had some, like, dusts up with him. And, like, so we've seen them before, but it just, it felt very out of place in this episode. Like, we haven't thought about the local government in quite some time, unless we're trying to save a building. That's the then only... Then it's then, then we really government. get into the nitty gritty with the city council. You were getting into the city council. What did the city council think about the dome? Is what I want to know. You you would think they would be having meetings about this. Should be like a but, parks parks and rec meeting where there's like the open the open citizen like uh, corner where they can all like come up and like tell say their piece. What what if part of the city council was meeting inside the dome and the other half <laughs> was meeting outside the dome and what they were if, talking to each other from the dome? One of my absolute favorite lines in the whole episode was when they're talking about the dome and and William is talking and Cara talking about the dome and William is like 
parents were separated from their children. I was like, oh, yeah, that's serious. That's really serious. He's like, employees couldn't get to work. And I was like, yeah, who cares? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I have a really great excuse. Can I work from home today? Some days it snows and and I can't get to work. It's less of a big deal than a bubble. I think that <laughs> I think that the company can move on for one day. I was just like such a weird like like those well, things some, aren't some people on the same. <laughs> some people level. can't work from home. Yeah, so exactly. Like some people yeah. can't work from home, and there are some essential functions. But it wasn't it wasn't quite on the same level as I thought it was going to be. Like you know the hospital, like one of the hospitals is in that bubble, or or there's no hospital in that bubble, or something like that. But it was like, and some people can't go to work. Cara, have you thought about that? And I was like, yeah, it sounds great for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That They could have made it a little more emergency. <laughs> they got a dome day. <laughs> <laughs> they could have made it more of an emergency. Uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, I guess, maybe something that's, it feels like, because they've been sort of touching on this public perception thing for the last couple of episodes. So I wonder if that's going to play into the finale of it all. So um, I guess we'll just have to keep monitoring that. I feel like the story that they're trying to like weirdly tell is like this idea of like the super friends are kind of their own just thing out there, like vigilantes with no accountability to anybody. And is that a problem? But they're not telling it well. So it's it's kind of weird. It's like, oh, you're picking this thread back up again. I guess we're caring about this. And then like next week, we're just not going to care about it at all again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Leslie says the super friends are vigilantes and good Samaritans doing whatever they want with no accountability, accountability. So yeah, that is uh, (laughs) kind of the same sentiment that you were going for Morgan. So uh, I guess we will uh, have to see what the, will the, will the public change their perception? Will the, will they win the public over? I guess we'll have to see. Do it this time. Will the, uh, the apology and like, I know you've put your hope, in me and I'm sorry. I'm very sorry that I threw it into the sun last week. <laughs> <laughs> Can't take it back though. It's definitely destroyed. It is definitely burned up. Didn't it seem like at the end of last week, and I promise I'll get off this, but didn't it seem like she was like, well, don't worry. Like we'll give them hope. And like, there was going to be some plan about how to give everybody hope back. And then this, this week she's like, I quit. Maybe she lost her. Uh, maybe, hope. maybe, maybe that's what I was thinking. Maybe <laughs> Supergirl lost hope. So maybe if that's what they were getting at, they sure didn't tell us in they any way. Should have elaborated mm. that this is a little what bit was happening. more context would have been great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm just going on the the assumption that Supergirl destroyed the hope totem and it took away her hope uh, somehow. I don't know how that. <laughs> and works. she was just like, I quit. <laughs> So speaking of totems, uh, we're continuing the search for the totems for some reason, even though we chucked one of them into the sun and destroyed (laughs) it. And now Nixley can't destroy, uh, can't uh, complete the Allstone. So um, before we get into the the Dreamer and the Maeve stuff, why do you think the search for the totems is continuing? I don't know. If I'm being honest, and and maybe I could have paid closer attention to the episode. I was trying. In my defense, I was trying really hard. But I feel like they explained it, but it wasn't an explanation that made any sense to me. And so my brain just tried to wrap around it and couldn't and just gave up. Uh, it was some, was it something about like the, dr- she can use the power of the dream totem somehow? Yeah. Uh, 
I think uh, somebody says that Nixley, uh, I can't remember if Jean was talking about it, but uh, they say that Nixley can use the the power of the dream totem and she would be unstoppable. And it was kind of funny because it's <laughs> like, well, that seems right, given what we know about dreamers' <laughs> powers, that she can pretty much do anything. Uh, so I, I love when her sister was even like, how are you doing this? <laughs> she, she was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, so I guess I guess Nixley can still use the totems to do things, but it just seemed like they set up the whole season as we've got to prevent the Allstone from being right? created. Like we got to get all the pieces of the Rubik's Cube, and we have to put it together, and we have to turn all the sides. And then I will have all the power. And like the super friends were like, we're going to take a piece of the Rubik's Cube, arguably the piece most associated with the main character of the show and throw it into the sun. And now you can't create the Rubik's cube. And she was like, jokes on you. I'm just going to still keep doing it. Why? <laughs> so what was the point of destroying the hope totem? I, I just I don't know, Rebecca, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know. I guess I can understand they can, they can still do things with the, the individual totems, even if she can't create the Allstone. But I was just so confused because at the, at the end of the episode, Lena says that she and Brainy refortified the hiding place for the courage and humanity totem. So that even if Nixley, does have the dream totem now she won't be able to create the allstone but but she can't create the allstone anyway without the hope totem so i don't know why it still matters yeah i had to rewind that scene where like lena came in and was like the the exposition and i was like wait what and i rewound it and i was like i don't understand anything anymore i gotta be honest like i thought i was a smart person but i cannot follow this supergirl storyline in any way because like early on they're like they explain oh the dream totem is really important because of some reason some plot thing and in like a really just big chunk of exposition i was like wait what and then they go get the dream totem and then later on it's like well don't worry we hid these two other totems so even though she has the dream totem she can't get these other totems and i was like why do you care? <laughs> Who cares if she has the dream totem? I guess dreamer probably cares because that's like her ancestral. Totem. Yeah, it's a big deal for the. I understand the dreamer why dreamer folks. cares. I understand where like Maeve cares. I don't understand why any Mauve. Mauve. I understand where Mauve cares. I don't understand why anyone else cares. I just can't follow it, Rebecca. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't either. And I was a little disappointed that dreamer's whole thing is the dream totem. And she, and she failed to get it. It's like you had one job, Nia. That oh, Nia. She just had that <laughs> one hours and she to couldn't do. even get that totem. <laughs> so I guess we're still going with the, with the totems here, even though I don't understand completely why that's happening. Um, but speaking of the dream totem, uh, there was a reconnection that happened and a, a, a character who hadn't been seen in uh, two seasons uh, showed back up this week. So Morgan, what did you think about Nia reconnecting with Maeve? Uh, I thought this was the uh, the only redeemable part of the episode, <laughs> if I have to be. It was like Ania's storyline and that cute little bun that Lena had on her hair. Uh, I the, had, the bun and Esme's drawings of all the super the, friends. Uh, yes, and the drawings of the super friends. Those are the three reasons why this episode <laughs> 
is allowed to exist. Uh, <laughs> and also, I have like a whole theory about Lena's bun that I I will oh, remind me oh, to get into. Yes. Later. Well, why don't we just do we? Let's just do just it. Do it now. Let's do it. Um, do, do we want to do a boardroom <laughs> ballroom? Do I think to, we do. <laughs> do we need to work that into I think so. All right, let's get into and it. And now, Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Okay, okay, Lena's bun. Go. So first off, her bun look flawless. Flawless. <laughs> I was like, ooh, girl, you are serving me some look. But then I noticed, like, later on in the episode, she's got, like, a weird, like, brooch, and her hair is all curly again, and she's doing magic. And I was like, interesting. When she had that bun, but when she had that bun, what was she doing? Mm-hmm. Science. She was doing oh yeah! So, like Lena, like pulled back, pulled together. Lena with her bun, her her power science bun. That's how you can tell she's doing science. But <laughs> when her hair gets free, like the wind, like the bark of the trees that she must sniff. <laughs> that when Lena is doing magic. And now I'm so I'm so excited that I've learned this, that I've embraced this because now I'm going to know if we're dealing with scientist Lena or witch Lena. I will now know. Which Lena we are? Oh, doing. <laughs> is she? Is she? Is her hair like down and flowing? Does she have a brooch that looks like a bat? That's which Lena. <laughs> is she in a blazer? Is her hair pulled up? Does she kind of look like that lady from Theranos that sold all those fake blood kits? That's scientist Lena. <laughs> I think this is a great theory. This uh, is this, my theory. This sort of holds with uh, when she would be like evil Lena Luther. She mm-hmm. would have like the usually the straight ponytails with the straight hair. And then if she was like friend Lena at game night, she had her hair down and she'd be exactly. wearing jeans. So like you kind of know what you're getting with Lena through her wardrobe and her hair. I think Lena like really like it, like tells how she's feeling her emotions come out through her hair i think that's very expressive she's like when she's feeling witchy the hair gets a little funky it gets a little free it's like excited it's like it's out there but when it's time to do science she's she's pulling that back she's putting on a little blazer she's maybe doing like a like a simple bun some like a little bit of a like a red lip a little red lip (laughs) uh now she's ready to go now she's ready to do some science uh and i appreciate that like i can always follow lena's character arcs right because i can see them and i love that about her (laughs) that's why i love her so (laughs) and this has been lena luther boardroom or ballroom Okay, we got a little sidetracked. But, we did. Uh, we but did. I don't remember what I was originally talking about. <laughs> Nia, Nia and Maeve, though. Some, Nia, for some reason, somehow that got us into Lena's hair. But Nia, Nia and Maeve. Uh, I really like the storyline. I, I, I know we have been talking about, you know, Nia's storyline with her sister for a while, wondering if they were ever going to come back to it. It felt very unresolved. Um, And I'm glad that they did come back to it. I thought that was really strong. And it's also, again, I don't understand why they can only seem to write Nia in a consistent, logical fashion on the show. I'm not complaining. She's got a, she's had a great storyline all season that has logically progressed and has made sense and has been emotional and has been tied to things we know about the character. Just wish 
other characters could have the same thing. Poor Alex Danvers is in a corner just crying, like literally crying, <laughs> looking at Nia's storyline. Uh, but I, I liked that, you know, we've spent an entire season with her as she's like really had a lot of doubts about, I don't know enough about my powers. I'll never know all the things that my mom knew. She never trained me. Uh, like, I, I don't know all these things. And then kind of coming into having made that decision with Nixley to see her mom one last time and kind of learn from her mom, even though her mom was kind of kind of mean to her, honestly, you know, you get one day with your dead mom and she's like, Oh, you really screwed it up. Nia. And yeah, she did. That she was, that was geez, pretty awful. Mom. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted to spend some time with you in the afterlife. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I thought that like, you know, her storyline I think has, has, been really interesting in the way that like you can kind of see a clearer line and like an arc where she you know she gets to spend that time with her mom and now she feels like she understands her power she's kind of come into her powers a little bit more and so this is really weirdly enough the 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 right time for her to have this resolution with Maeve not you know if suddenly in this episode Nia was like I'm gonna be a circus performer I wouldn't be surprised given this show but this is not <laughs> what they're doing like they're doing with poor Lena this is instead <laughs> they're like this is kind of you know seeing her story to its like logical point and so at this point she's kind of, she feels more into her power she's like more confident about who she is as dreamer and it's a perfect point for her to kind of face the fears that she was having earlier this season, the fears that like, I don't know enough about this and I'm never going to get a hold of it. And those fears are kind of embodied by her sister. And it's not just the terrible thing that her sister said to her the last time that they had a fight, but it's also how she's always felt like her sister was the one who should have had these powers. And her sister was the one who was prepared to have them and deserved to have them. And I think it was great to see Nia go, you know what? Like, I, I'm sorry that you didn't get these powers, but I've really embraced it. I've really figured it out. I deserve these powers because I have them and I know how to use them. And to see that sort of evolution of that character getting to like a confident place. And then at the end of the episode, even after uh, uh, Mauve, our good friend Mauve, <laughs> was... Uh, even after their like touching reunion, when, when Maeve tried to steal the dream totem, I was like, girl... Girl, yeah, I that swear, was not the right I will move. slap you. What yeah. are you doing? But like at the end of the episode, when suddenly, suddenly now that there's not a dream totem in the offing, she was like, I'm really sorry. I liked that Nia was like, well, I'm not going to forgive you because you've done like a series of really insane things that are messed up. Um, but I think we can move forward and I'll give you a last chance. And I like that she was like empathetic to her sister and understanding why her sister continues to be, you know, kind of going crazy about the, the dreamer stuff, but also was like very strong and like, it's not okay that you treated me this way. It's not okay that you said these things to me. You like, I'm sorry that you didn't get these dream powers, but it's not my fault and I'm doing a great job with it and I'll let you in my life, but it's, you're not getting a third chance at, you know, you're not going to try to steal a third thing from me, you know? <laughs> uh, and I like that for Nia. I think that like, you know, maybe last season she would have like maybe cut her sister off entirely or maybe she would have just forgiven her and not been so strong about defending herself. And I like that the the sort of the balance that she she struck where it wasn't OK what what Maeve did and what Maeve said. And I think that she acknowledged that, but she was willing to 
put it in the past and move on. Like it wasn't, I don't forgive you because what you did was messed up, but we can move on from here and we'll still be sisters. And I thought that that was a really good storyline. And I like where it fit in her story in this season and in her story overall, since she's been on the show. They, they, I, I can give them. They really know how to write Dreamer. They write her very well and consistently. She always, you know, like, especially well, except season. for her power set. Well, her power sets is crazy. Yeah, her power set but, is whatever the plot needs it to be. And I but will the, say the that, character arc. I will agree. The character arc is great. I will say that was probably my one of my biggest laughs of the episode was when she uh, she does that thing where like they shoot up in the air <laughs> and Maeve goes like, I didn't even know the dream powers could do this and. <laughs> <laughs> and I want like Neo was like, yeah, they can do a lot of things you wouldn't even imagine. I stopped <laughs> like, a tidal wave, Maeve. You didn't even see that one. That was pretty awesome. And also, Maeve gave her the necklace that gave her more power. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I also, I kind of, I couldn't stop laughing. The other thing that made me laugh was that, like the um the symbol, like their their dream symbol. It's just like a like a lotus flower. Like I, I've seen that that same necklace in like every craft fair I've ever gone to. <laughs> do, you, do you think that symbolizes pure of heart, purity? Maybe, but she's like, she's like, this is a symbol from our planet. I was like, yeah, and like every Oktoberfest I've ever gone to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of crafters come up with that s- same alien symbol. <laughs> I was going to call her Mauve again by accident. Maeve. <laughs> I was like, really? Now we're like, like, just tricking ourselves into saying it's, it's like Kelly Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you couldn't have, you couldn't have really like come up with an alien looking symbol that you could have given them. It was just like whatever was at the bottom of your, uh, of your jewelry box. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you though, uh, about, uh, Nia, you know, standing up for herself and kind of taking that stance of like, you've hurt me. I'm, I'm not backing down from this. Cause I appreciate that. Like, I, I know what it's like to have had somebody say something nasty to you like that and have really, you know, hurt you and and be awful to you and it it sucks and if if you know i was confronted with someone who had done that to me i would probably have a hard time i'm usually trying to you know be a forgiving person but there are a couple of people i can think of that i would be like i don't know i don't know if we can be friends again that's that's uh, (laughs) not something i don't know if i can do so i can understand that hurt that nia had um so i appreciated that she stood her ground but she also you know gave mave another another chance and maybe a final chance. So at least Maeve can try, you know, she's really um, honest and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Authentic about being sorry and uh, wanting to make it up to Nia, then she'll have that chance. Um, And what I really liked about their interaction is that they were kind of the um, fulfillment of what each other didn't have. So Nia as Dreamer, she's got all these powers, but she doesn't really know how to use them. She's getting better, but she could probably use a little more uh, book smarts about it. And that's where Maeve comes in. Maeve's read all the books. She's done all the studying. She knew yeah. all the stories. She knew all the history. And what I liked about their interaction is that they they were a good team once they got into the dream realm. Aside from the whole thing about Maeve like trying to steal the dream realm, <laughs> it was not great. That was not a great team. I effort was like, "Girl, at are that you point. serious?" <laughs> but I, it kind of made me wish we could see more of them as a team and like teaming up together to help each other because I thought they did things 
for each other that they couldn't have done on their own. And so I actually really liked that. I, I don't know if Dreamer could have a sidekick or like a, a partner in crime or something, but I really kind of wish we had time to your point, Morgan, from earlier that we had t- more time to explore that um, because I thought that was actually really cool to see um, the Nall sisters doing those things together. And, and, you know, I, I would watch a whole like mini, uh, uh, you know, like a mini series of yeah. Nia and Maeve going on an adventure. I, I would watch that. And I like that, like Maeve had uh, to your point about like, they kind of balanced each other out. Neo's like, here's, I'm going to do this thing impulsively or like, Oh, your necklace is glowing and could kind of figure out stuff based on context clues and Maeve was like according to this book you haven't even read read the dreamscapes by like blah 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 blah. and like Neo's like no (laughs) (laughs) it did make me laugh though because it did seem like not to be critical of Nia I love Nia but she's like spent like an entire season going like I don't know my powers enough Maeve was like did you think about a book did you just go check a book out of the library I've got a lot of books (laughs) Nia I've read a lot of books about this. You could have read one of them. And Neo's like, no, nah, I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> Love that energy for her. <laughs> yeah. So I actually like the the two of them teaming up. So I, I, I don't know if we'll see more of that in the future. But at least for Nia as a character, there's a resolution there that's happened before the end of the show. So I'm glad that that has come to its, you know, uh, I guess, final conclusion that the sisters are now uh, in, in, on good terms. I wish the show had done more of a uh, thematic thing here in this week's episode because uh, they have another set of sisters on the show and they didn't do anything with them uh, while they had the the Null sisters doing something. So I wish they had made that a little more to your point. I think if Alex had been the one to talk to Carr about the the Catco thing. That would have been a nice tie-in to the sisters aspect of the episode. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, sisters aren't like a, a limited quantity kind of thing. It's not like if if we have two sisters in an episode, we can't have another two sisters. <laughs> like, well, we've used up our sisters for this episode. I'm sorry, Alex and Carr, you must not be in a scene together. Like, yeah, I think it would have also like kind of underlined like the the different kinds of sister relationships too. It would have really brought the Nia and Maeve kind of main story there into focus. If you're like watching Carr and Alex have like a, you know, a very supportive, loving discussion. And then like you switch over to Nia and Maeve, like snipping at each other about, well, you didn't read the book. <laughs> yeah. That could, that could have been a, a nice parallel there. The, or the a show contrast, used to do, I guess. Yeah. The show used to do stuff like that, like parallels and contrasts, but not anymore. <laughs> Not so much. Not uh, so much lately. Quick question from Electro WWF. Uh, do we think there would be a Dreamer spinoff next season? And that's why they spent so much time on Nia's story this season. I don't think we're going to get a full spinoff uh, for Dreamer because it, it seems like the CW is sort of backing off some of these shows a little a little yeah. bit um, but I could definitely see Nia popping up on Legends or something like, or in another crossover or something. I could, yeah, I, I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the creative team of this show would love a Nia spinoff because they do seem to... <laughs> they love writing for Nia. They have all kinds of ideas for Nia. <laughs> Many of them are good. Not all of them for Supergirl are good, but their Nia ideas are good. So Wait, I they, think... they have ideas for Supergirl? 
not many and yeah. they're almost all bad uh <laughs> but but for nia they yeah they have good i think that they would be excited to do a spinoff about nia i think it's i think your your call is probably more correct i could more likely see her joining the legends team i i do think that like it seems like they're interested at least in like continuing nia or dreamer somewhere in the you know the arrowverse i don't know where that is possibly gonna be but i wouldn't be surprised if i see her pop up in various places yeah and she also might pop up in the comics too she did have that uh yeah that's true debut so that could be something they could they could explore as well even if she's not on the screen she could be on the page um okay so last thing we should probably cover before we get into feedback uh morgan is uh Ducky Likes Luther showed back up at the end of this sure episode. Did. Um, so uh, it seemed to me, and just uh, I'm, I'm going to pose this to you just to make sure that I understood what was happening. So mm-hmm. Nix, Nixley had kind of a, a Nixley Hope AI, if you will, that she can was. I, can I just interrupt you? Yes, and say how, you know, please. How angry I was. How <laughs> truly furious, truly furious that they dared to give her an AI and it wasn't hope. Here's a perfect opportunity, <laughs> a perfect opportunity to have a callback to last season that would have like cost them nothing and would have brought me so much joy. <laughs> and like, really like it couldn't have been uh, like the original hope AI voice or just me doing that hope voice. <laughs> oh, somebody on the production crew just talking like this. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> I, I thought it was weirder that it was Nixley talking to herself. Like if, if it was an AI, it was like, hello, I am here to help you get the dream totem. Let's <laughs> dream it up. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I just felt like it was such a miss. It was like I was being taunted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I thought it was interesting though. It was, it was as if Nixley was talking to herself, but then I think it was actually Lex the whole time. Is that how you interpreted that? It seemed like it. It didn't make any sense to me. How would Lex Uh, have known about her, her crush that she had a crush on? I don't know. Uh, yeah, because like when she like repairs it, it becomes Lex, and it's like, how though? How? And uh, maybe they'll Even, explain it in the next episode. Well, in I the in in this week's episode, they're like, I'm not going to tell you that yet. I'm like, okay, well, you better tell me at some you're point. Gonna, it's not going to be like the head of Leviathan, right? You're going <laughs> to tell me someday. <laughs> Some, you're going to reveal something, right? Lex gonna was be like a- all along. I was the head of Leviathan. Let's start <laughs> there. I just told you it was a woman to throw you off. <laughs> <laughs> Twist. Turn. Uh, yeah, no, I was so confused by the end of that episode because I wasn't confused that Lex was coming back. I mean, like some of the articles had already spoiled that. And, you know, just knowing the show, I knew they were bringing him back. But <laughs> again, Ducky Lex Luthor, the best. But... <laughs> One of the greats, one of the greats. But like the way that they brought him back made no sense to me. I don't understand how that happened. Because uh, he did get out of jail. He he went to court, went to trial. I remember that because it was weird. And uh, then they let him off the hook uh, for reasons. And so I guess now he's been uh, doing research on Nixley. Somehow he found out how to contact her, where she was, and... Uh, knew all about her history. So I'm curious for him to explain how he knew all of this. 
He's like, I've been working on my impression of your accent for months. (laughs) (laughs) He sounded great, just like her. He sounded amazing. He has been doing his accent work is impeccable. (laughs) (laughs) He's got all those, he's got accent, like Nixley accent tapes. And he's been like, just, just getting in there. Like Kate Winslet in, uh, (laughs) in that show that I forgot the name of. Mayor of East Town. Mayor of East Town. I was like, I can't believe I forgot the name. But (laughs) what, what eyes. What eyes. Yeah. He's, (laughs) he's been doing all the accent tapes. He's been going all the Wawa's. So he's ready. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I actually, just as side note, I was looking stuff up about PETA surgeon today um, just to see what else she had been in because I've enjoyed her as Nixley so much mm-hmm. and she was the Jabberwocky in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland I was like that makes so much sense I remember oh. I remember loving the Jabberwocky on that <laughs> show so it's just like well of course of course it was I, if you've never watched Once Upon a Time in Wonderland I highly recommend it way better yeah. than the um, the show it was spun off of because <laughs> that show took a nosedive. Um, but uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland it turned out to be very good by the end of it. It kind of has a rough start, but by the end of it, <laughs> I was like, I want to live in this world for a lot longer. And it's only like, I don't know, it was like 10 or 13 episodes. Um, but yeah, so uh, um, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, if you get a chance to watch it, it's very short and it has a wonderful ending. I, I shouldn't say wonderful, uh, but it has a wonderful ending. Um, so it's actually a surprise. One of one of the great things that I wish I could rewatch. Anyway, that's a whole side note. What are your overall thoughts about this episode, Morgan? Nightmare <laughs> in National City. Um, I didn't care for this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it wasn't as bad as Supergirl throwing hope in directly into the sun that was a that real was, low point that was a low point for this show and <laughs> but just randomly quitting catco wasn't much better <laughs> i don't know i don't know the nia stuff was great and it was like the redeeming um it was the redeeming point of this episode i does it redeem it entirely only if you like take out the nia section from the rest of the episode <laughs> and only watch that. Um, the rest of it was pretty rough. We had uh, Esme's drawings. Those were cute. We had Lena's bun. Loved it. Loved that bun. And those two things, really. Uh, <laughs> those two things. What I, I love that they did explain why uh, Brainy has been green lately uh, by being like, well, William can't see him ungreen. It's like, yeah, but his name is Brainy, when he's got the image inducer yeah, on. Yeah, he doesn't really also. have a secret identity. Why is that a thing? Like, what? Why? 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 So, anyway, stuff like that. I just can't. Uh, it's This one was a tough one for me. <laughs> I appreciate, though, that they have the, the makeup budget for They do, the yeah. They're really busting out the makeup. I, I had a couple of, like, makeup-related complaints in this one, too. I, like, literally paused it at one point, and I was like, Mike, Mike, Look at Supergirl's face. They're not even blending in her highlighter anymore. <laughs> Everyone on this show has given up. And he like looked up and he was like, oh my God. And like, <laughs> there's just like a just like a line of highlighter on her cheekbone. Like oh. you you know to be ready for the high definition cameras at this point, right? Yeah. Like what, and I th- kind of feel like the same thing as like the Jesse Rath, like the Brainiac makeup. It's a little weird. It's just something about it when you see it on camera. It just doesn't read quite right. It's very flat, I think. It's very, uh, yeah, it's just very flat. It doesn't have like a lot of like depth to it. So it doesn't really look like a person's 
skin. I don't know. There's something off about it. I hit, I get like a, I go into a, like a little bit of an uncanny valley. Like they, I, it used to be better, I think. But in this episode, especially, I was like, what's happening with him? <laughs> yeah, sometimes it is a little like tough to get used to, but I appreciate that they're making the effort. It is nice to uh, see him in like the comic correct, you know, um, brainy sort of outfits and things like that. And like this, like the the green skin and everything. That is really cool. Just wish they would tr- try harder, I guess, with it. Yeah, Anthony uh, chimes in to say, I think his hands are green latex gloves. Uh, I I know we (laughs) did have a listener who mentioned that his hands looked a little bigger. Uh, So that might actually explain things. If his hands looked bigger, maybe he is wearing some kind of gloves. If we ever get a chance to talk to Jesse Rath, we should ask him about that. Because that would would actually make sense because then they wouldn't have to use the makeup all over his hands. They could just have him put on the gloves and he would already have automatically a... green hands and they wouldn't have to do them <laughs> they would just do the makeup here yeah and not so much on the hands as well so um yeah so i guess uh my overall thoughts would uh would be that this episode was at least somewhat better than last week but i think the you know there was a lot going on a lot of things that i had to you know buy into as a viewer the one thing that i was like Really, I'm supposed to believe that uh, Cara Danvers sets things in her count, like creates calendar events no. for herself. She she doesn't set reminders for things. Definitely I, not. <laughs> uh, of all the things that happened in this episode, I was like, I don't buy that. <laughs> That's the most unbelievable. That's the most unbelievable thing is that she sets uh, work reminders in, in her calendar. I don't buy it. Uh, but I did enjoy the Nia Maeve stuff. And uh, I loved Esme's little drawings. And so I guess uh, that was good. So uh, I guess that will do it for our uh, discussion of Nightmare in National City. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about this week's episode. Uh, sure. Our first tweet is from Electra WWF, who says, "Surprise, Nia wasn't called uh, wasn't called out for missing work like Cara was. Did uh, did Andrea forget Nia works at Catco? Um, I I sometimes do. <laughs> um, so Cara can only be Supergirl. Didn't we already deal with this? Cara should join the Legion of Superheroes so she can be her best superhero self without worrying about work and secret identities." Uh, at K Kyle One said, "More of the my." powers aren't inexplicably whatever I need them to be from Dreamer, but I did like her story, and the effects of her fight with Nixley were cool, but I would love any explanation of Dream Energy. <laughs> uh, quitting may be the best thing Kara does. This poor me thing is getting old. Of course, superheroes should have some problems, but she's supposed to be the paragon of hope. Well, I mean, she did throw it into the sun. Um, she, <laughs> she's not Peter Parker. I'm glad Andrea addressed her her constant absences. At least we know it was noted in show. Overall, not a bad episode. Um, CM Gutierrez 74 said, loved it. Nixley and Lex teaming up. The intense drama between the Nall sisters. Andrea having a coming to Jesus talk with Kara. Uh, chef's kiss. Uh, the super friends were be- are being challenged on their actions. And Kara finally figuring out what she wants. I'm here for all of it. Um, at SL Fricky said, uh, that'd be like you telling me everything you know about journalism. Well, that should be simple given Kara slacking on the mentorship. Uh, <laughs> button up that shirt, Brainy. This isn't a calendar shoot. <laughs> Not that you know. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, they end it with hope. 
hemispherical obstructions prevent eradication by nuclear disaster. (laughs) I like that name for the dome. Uh, Jose Rios, 1994, said, the show needs more giant monsters. I like the Nia Maeve stuff, except the ending. Would have been better if it wasn't a happy ending. Uh, I didn't know Nia and Brainy were back together. Or did I miss something? Uh, Cara had a great storyline this week. Writing for the plot is not working. I I thought I um, had notated something here in the doc. We may get to it in another email or something, but I did. uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay. So somebody else uh, sent an email about the, the breakup thing. I had a question about that, too, about Nia and Brainy's relationship uh, when they like wondering when they got back together. All I could find in my personal Google Docs uh, doc, <laughs> doc notes was that um, back in season five, episode 11, back from the future part one, Car Alex and Kelly brought Nia guilt-free chocolate, which seemed like a breakup thing, uh, like a breakup candy kind of thing. And then this season, Nia and Brainy were obviously romantic in the prom night and prom again episodes. So there's kind of this weird thing. They didn't really explain like me and Brainy, I guess were, uh, had, I don't, I don't know if they had explained like that they had gotten back together or that they, they were okay again, because most of season five had Brainy working with Lex Luthor and Nia was very worried about Brainy. So I, I don't know. I can, I couldn't find in my notes, like when they had explained like, Things are okay. They're fine now. But I think at one point they did break up in season five. So they definitely I, broke up in season five. I I knew they were back together, but I could not tell you when that happened. Yeah. I knew that of, they were back together as of prom and then prom again. <laughs> yeah. It looks like some people are saying, uh, like Patua says, uh, they got back <laughs> together off camera. Uh, let's see. Electra WWF says in the season six premiere, they had a talk. And I think it was implied they got back together. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty, pretty standard. So. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of stuff. Really important things that go on in characters' lives. Like poor Kelly off, off finding out about Supergirl. <laughs> um, at Laura Redenbaum said, "Good, Lena in the black top with her hair up." Everyone's reaction to Esme's drawings. Brainy making green pancakes while being green. It's not easy being green. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else was a dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> which tells how you really feel. <laughs> uh, at Willie Belcher 6 said, This show really knows how to piss fans off. This is how you lose 97% of your fan base. Unfortunately, Willie, I don't know that they care at this point. They even definitely if, don't. <laughs> if, even if they did care, I don't know if it would, would matter with so many, uh, so few episodes to go. They're not even blending the makeup anymore, Will. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. It's over. <laughs> uh, at Happy KT said, the show in this episode was crap. No one is ever there for Kara. William mansplaining to Pulitzer Prize winning Kara, winner Kara on how to interview. The super friends are incapable of doing anything without her. The return of that miscreant Lex, who I use as a placeholder for our former president. So not a big fan of this one. Uh, at... <laughs> <laughs> at a underscore weird girl uh, said, Carl really said, you know what? I can't do this. She is <laughs> <laughs> super girl, but she can't do it. She has been doing this since season two. Uh, <laughs> last week, she threw hope into the sun and now she quits. 
how are they going to fix this mess? I hope this leads to something better. Me too. Uh, we all do. We all do. We're all, <laughs> listen, what we can take from this, I think, is that we're all in this together. Yeah. All of us El, on this El, boat. Elmayara. <laughs> Elmayara. We're all stronger together. Sinking slowly, uh, <laughs> like the Titanic, but we're all in it together. <laughs> uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui said, this was a garbage episode. <laughs> so uh, at least I don't feel so bad about <laughs> my complaints. Uh, Car quitting her job is never the answer. I can't believe they did that. What makes this worse is that Andrea was really reasonable this time. So we can't even blame her. It's true. <laughs> also, why would Car have this talk? Talk with William and not her sister. It makes no sense. Uh, and finally, Ken uh, at Ken from Chicago says, "Good news: the sun is ninety nine point eight percent of the mass of the entire solar system. It has large solar flares ten times a year, releasing twenty two million times the energy of all the nukes on Earth each. So Supergirl <laughs> can nuke the sun all day long. Hashtag No Harm No Foul." Well, at least we don't have to worry about that impacting climate change. So I, I feel better about that. So I guess Thanks, if Ken. she's going to destroy the, the hope totem, I guess that was a good way to do it. So And now I learned some fun facts about the sun. So that's we, cool, too. We know more about the sun. So thank you, uh, Atkin from Chicago, for that important news, uh, those, those, news fa- uh, those sun factoids, I guess. Uh, so thank you for that. All right. Well, we do need to catch up on some listener feedback emails uh, because somehow I missed them uh, last week. So uh, <laughs> so uh, before we get to uh, emails about this week's episode of Nightmare in National City, uh, we're going to get to some emails uh, that we missed previously. So the first one comes from Aaron, who writes, quote, I personally loved blind spots and I have two main thoughts on the episode. One, I agree with you both that Rankin did seem like a mustache twirling villain, but I would also add that her character shared a lot of similarities to the 45th president of the United States. They were government officials who got special rare treatment when dealing with the medical crisis. And after receiving said treatment, they said they were feeling great. Her in a press conference and him via Twitter and all the while minimalizing the seriousness of the medical issue itself because they got through it all right while not at really acknowledging the huge benefit they received that most people couldn't. Um, What's interesting about this, Aaron, is um, that most politicians have uh, that advantage. I don't know if it's just one one politician in particular, but I would say that most uh, government officials do have those advantages. So I, I would probably put that in a, a like a like a politician in general, people in power in general have that. Uh, But uh, Aaron goes on to say in the infamous uh, sandwich scene, a, I don't think she actually killed her assistant, but he was also affected by the building collapse. So we would see him, Uh, so we would see him lose consciousness because he was the closest in physical proximity to her and B, whether she did or didn't actually kill him. She was so focused on herself that she didn't even notice that there was a problem with him. Her amazement was, I was thinking of a sandwich and I got it. And she never even looked in his direction when he fainted or whatever. So I feel that, uh, what Rankin lacked in complexity was made up uh, for by the realism of her character. So, I don't know. I think she did. I think she did kill him, though, because she says, <laughs> "I would kill for a sandwich." And, and if I'm at that believe, exact moment, he just kind of slumped over. over. Yeah. So I think if we're to believe the writing, I think she did kill the assistant. I think. I think we can't take away um, this scene because I think that that scene is art. 
Uh, <laughs> and it was so good uh, because it was so ridiculous. I, I think that just because she was broad doesn't mean that she wasn't kind of also realistic. There are people who are just broadly terrible. Um, and I think that that was that character. Um, but I have to agree with Rebecca. I, th- I think she killed that guy for that sandwich. Honestly, I think that that's what the writing was telling us um, in that scene. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's personal. Or the, at I, least the directing, right? The directing was telling us because she said the line and then he slumps over. And I don't know what else as a viewer I'm supposed to take from that, except that he died because she wanted the sandwich. <laughs> yeah, but I, I appreciate Aaron's sharing um, thoughts about a, a, another interpretation of that scene, of seeing it from a different perspective. Oh, yeah, and, definitely. And Anthony says in the chat, missed my tweet again. I don't know why that's happening. Anthony, if you can put a link to it in the chat, uh, we'll, we'll read it out. Um, and make sure you're, uh, all the listeners of Supergirl Radio, I pull these tweets from the, so after the episode is over, I, I will put out a tweet saying, hey, send us feedback. And if you reply to that tweet, that's the one we pulled the tweets from to include into the Supergirl Radio episode. So if you want to send in tweet feedback, make sure you're replying to that tweet. I usually pin it to the top of our uh, profile. So that's where I'm usually finding those. And I, I try to pull the ones that are uh, like sent to at Supergirl Radio, but I usually first will go to the replies to that uh, pinned tweet. So make sure you're uh, putting them there. So, um, uh, so I don't know why I'm missing them. I'm also extremely busy the last couple of weeks. So it could just be that I'm just like not seeing them, but, um, but put them in uh, the, the live chat and we'll share them uh, before the end of the episode. Um, oh, Aaron still has more to say. I'm sorry. I cut yes. Aaron off. <laughs> uh, Aaron says second, there was an argument that they were not talking like quote, real people. I'd say that dialogue felt real to me. I've had conversations that touch on a lot of similar tones. I understand that just because it felt normal or real to me and my lived experiences, that doesn't mean that is universal, but really nothing is, which is why these sort of conversations are important to see depicted in pop culture. So it seems, uh, more normal to have them in real life. That was kind of the part part of the point of the episode. It wasn't casting the super friends more specifically Car and Alex as evil or bad. Rather, they are good, well-intentioned, well-intentioned friends who aren't seeing that they have these blind spots. I have also seen a conversation where a person, when discussing race, mentions those feelings of shame, combating their own white fragility, taking stock of their entire life and different choices that they have made in regards to taking action or staying out of it because it felt like the problem had nothing to do with them. Why is this singular conversation worth mentioning? Because the person who was talking was Melissa Benoist, and she mentions these things in conversation on social media. So in terms of real or not real, the dialogue may have felt. uh, uh, So in terms of how real or not real the dialogue may have felt, it is certainly true to what some of the actors experiences were or uh, are, and therefore they have informed their word choices and delivery. Thanks for allowing me to share my thoughts on the show. And I can appreciate that we all interpret these stories differently and that it's not a matter of I'm right and you're wrong or vice versa. Rather it's taking in this show that we all care about and sharing our own feelings, interpretations and reactions to the subjective art with others who also like the show. I think for me, when I mentioned the talk like a real person, cause I think that's in regards to, to what I said, Um, it also was more so also like for my personal experience, um, but also the, uh, the characters don't normally talk like that with each other. And so I thought it was kind of jarring that all of a sudden they were talking like this when they don't really talk like that 
in previous episodes. So that's one of the things I was kind of uh, having taking issue with. Yeah, I think for Kelly, it, 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 that episode seemed like 100% character correct because she is a therapist and she talks in those kind of, you know, those kind of terms. But some of the other characters, I can see your point where it's like not exactly how they talked in previous episodes. But I really appreciate her writing in and giving her her perspective on the episode. And I think that she's got really valid points on all that. Yeah. So I appreciate uh, Aaron writing in uh, to share those thoughts. And we love it when people write in and share a thought, even if they think like, you know, they've got a different interpretation of a scene. <laughs> That's okay. We're open to disagreement. So uh, feel free to share your thoughts. So Julia wrote in with some thoughts on the Gauntlet episode saying, this episode was a blast. The writing was better and the tone was less melodramatic. Having everyone act out of character gave levity to the episode, which allowed the more serious scenes like Nixley telling off her brother for his betrayal to have more impact. All in all, it felt more like the show it always could have been, but let's not waste too much time and energy getting stuck on that thought. Uh, Jesse Rath in a, is a scene stealer as always this time as Vita possessing Brainy. Uh, love courage boosted space dad he was the emotionally available in touch with his feelings parental figure that 80 percent of the super fans need mm -hmm. uh, i hope that john keeps it up in a less mission endangering way after this episode love the throwback to season one with with the saving the plane as the courage test my theory on Kara's courage test she would have passed if she allowed the guy that got mugged to turn around and look at her I'm hoping the writers are trying to reconnect to a long-standing conflict in the show protecting Kara's secret identity fear of risking her secret identity uh, I, I, I like oh. that theory I like that theory, too. I think that, that makes sense. Uh, I'm hoping that failing this test means that it will come up again later as a key part of the season. I think I speak for most people when I say that all we really want is returns on the emotional investments we've made in this show, on the characters, their relationships, their stories, etc., so that each episode matters and feels more connected to the others and the seasons as a whole. This is the last chance they'll get to do it. Let's see if that happens. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I did find Dr. Nicole Green's tweet saying the the good uh, Esme's drawings. What is art? What is art? Art is uh, paintings of horses. We all know this. <laughs> and any and all of the outfits, a sweater, dress, casual domestic scenes, brain corp science, Maeve's office, which is huge. Nia, uh, lovely and powerful. The, the bad, the plot. And uh, the shield that most definitely uh, severed a person. So uh, I'll continue to look for the other uh, tweet that was missing. But uh, but that was uh, Dr. Nicole writing in with that tweet there. Um, Joseph also wrote in to see if we could help him solve a mystery, Morgan. Ooh. I don't I don't I don't know if we can. If the live chat can help us solve the mystery, exciting. Uh, so if we don't know the answer, hopefully somebody else will know the answer. So Joseph writes in saying, "Quote: I was in Vancouver this past July." For her friend's wedding and decided to walk around downtown. Another friend who lives in Vancouver mentioned that Supergirl was filming somewhere downtown that day. So we were on the lookout for the filming while taking in the sights. I haven't actually watched Supergirl since season four, but I'm a faithful listener to your <laughs> podcast. Oh, nice. I, I love that someone doesn't watch the show, but they still listen to the podcast. That makes me happy. <laughs> That's so great. So uh, Joseph says, so most of my knowledge of what's happening on the series comes from you guys. Uh oh, I hope that's okay. Uh-oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Joseph says, we saw trucks parked at the side of the road for a production company, so we knew we were close. As we walked down the street, I saw a sign that said, 
no video of photography. There was a woman standing next to the sign and there was a little barricade preventing people from walking past the spot. Beyond the barricade were a set of stairs leading up to what looked like a little pavilion with some small trees behind between two skyscrapers. About 20 feet from where I was standing, I could see what looked like Dreamer, Martian Manhunter, and Sentinel. They were wearing face masks and sunglasses, but I'm pretty sure they were stunt doubles, mostly because the Martian Manhunter was bald. We stood around for a few minutes waiting for them to start shooting, but there was a lot of them standing around talking to who I assumed were writers, directors, or camera people. There was also a big crane that had a camera on it, perhaps to film the scene from a bird's eye view. Since I'm not actively watching the series, I was wondering if you knew what episode I saw being filmed. Has there been an episode this season where Dreamer, Sentinel, and Martian Manhunter have an action scene in a pavilion? Love your podcast, and I look forward to continuing to listen when the series concludes, unquote. Uh, so I can't think hmm. off right offhand where there's been a scene uh, with Dreamer, Martian Manhunter, and Sentinel in a pavilion. So if anybody no. in the live chat... Uh, can think of any scene that might be like that. We need to solve this mystery for Joseph. Yeah, it can't be this one because they weren't all together. I was trying to go back a couple of episodes and I, I don't... Yeah. And also July, I think they wrapped Supergirl like early August. So July might have been like... You like, might have seen some like late season stuff. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm thinking like... Spoilers. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe... Episode 18, 19, something I like that. I think we should start Pavilion Watch. <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> so, to see if we can find this episode for him. <laughs> so I think we. I think Joseph may have seen something in the finale. I don't know. That um, might be something in the way future. What if he was like, I saw Supergirl like run off to, you know, the future or something. It was like, don't tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> you spoiled everything, Joseph. No, I'm just no. kidding. Uh, so we'll have to we'll have to look out for for Joseph to see if he uh, he spotted something in the the late episodes of this season because I think I don't think it's happened yet. Aaron asks, "Was it day or night? Did he? He said it was day, right? I think it was day, uh, but I can clarify. We'll we'll get some more. Let details us know if it was day or, or day or night so we can be on proper." Pavilion watch. Yes. Hashtag <laughs> pavilion watch. <laughs> uh, um, okay. So Christy wrote in to share some irks about this season and Kelly writing um, social worker is such a broad term. Is she a caseworker, a case manager, a placement specialist, a foster care worker, a medical social worker? Who even knows? <laughs> <laughs> Christy, I'm loving this energy. Uh, I, have my, I have my master's in counseling. I'm a certified advanced alcohol and drug counselor, certified life coach, and soon, hopefully, to be a limited licensed uh, professional counselor. I don't know if I can be considered an expert, but I can be a consultant. And we we're, always we're, need more. <laughs> we need more consultants. So one, Kelly, who is a psychologist, would not be able to just switch to being a social worker. Here's a breakdown of most roles in the social services field. A psychiatrist is someone who has been to medical school and has a concentration in psychiatry. They can prescribe medications and usually don't do any therapy or counseling. They get paid the most at around 250 k per year. So not bad, Kelly. It's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. 
A psychologist, in most states, a licensed psychologist has to obtain a doctorate degree, not a medical doctor, like a PhD or a PsyD, which is a doctorate in psychology. Um, they do counseling or therapy. Most cannot prescribe medications. Illinois, Louisiana, and New Mexico are the only states that allow psychologists to prescribe medications. They make around 80000 or more per year. Now, a counselor or a therapist has a master's degree and usually obtains an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. Their pay can be as low as thirty to thirty-five thousand per year and up to about seventy-five thousand per year. Now, a social worker has a bachelor or bachelor's or master's degree in social work. This is a licensed clinical social worker or licensed master social worker. Most LCSW uh, may become a counselor or a therapist. Social work programs are not usually heavy counseling classes. Their pay can vary and can be um, low, like thirty to 35000 to around fifty to 60000 Um it's kind of crazy to me that some of these, like the the um, the pay ranges of some of these uh, professions that make you get master's degrees. Oh yeah, it should How be never paying that back. Yeah, why why did you get that master's degree in the first That's place? Insanity. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, sorry, just crazy, crazy. Uh, life coaches, no higher education training, no governing body to set things like ethics. Life coaches should not treat mental health issues or substance use issues. Uh, okay, all of these have different skill sets and programs. You cannot switch between these positions without the proper training and education. So, for Kelly to become a social worker which is a very broad term, she would need to go back to school and obtain a social work degree. Also, concerning salary, she would have to start at the bottom. Uh, two, ethics and confidentiality. It is absolutely unethical for Kelly to foster and adopt a child on her caseload. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, that's a big whoopsie for Kelly, but don't worry, she hasn't gone back for that certification yet, so she doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, okay, Christy goes on to say, dual relationships are considered unethical and they should be avoided as much as possible. For example, you may not be able to avoid a client being your server at a restaurant if there are no other tables available. For me, as a counselor, if I saw a client working walking in the cold or rain, it would be unethical for me to give them a ride in my car. As a counselor, caseworker, social worker, etc., you are not your client's friend. They should not know about your personal life. You should, uh, oh, no, I, I scrolled too far. Uh, <laughs> and that's not great. Uh, do, 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 oh, uh, they should not know about your personal life. You should not be friends or follow each other on social media. You should, you also should not talk about your clients to friends and family. <laughs> they should not know your clients by name or have any identifying information, hair color, tattoos, etc. If I were to say I had a difficult client who was dealing with a lot of loss and trauma, that would be vague and general with no real identifying information. If I said my client with a tattoo of an octopus on their neck who was <laughs> dealing with trauma from being shot last month and their house burning down, that would be unethical because there is identifying information. It's always disappointing to see how people in the social sciences field are portrayed because usually they are violating some boundary or ethics that would, in the real world, make someone lose their license or livelihood. Uh, oh my God, this is an amazing email. <laughs> uh, this uh, Number three, this isn't an irk, but I thought in the last episode, Lena was looking especially pale. I wasn't sure if the long, dark, crimpy hair was making her look pale, 
or if it was the witchiness. <laughs> I think it was the witchiness. <laughs> Christy, I think it was the witchiness. Uh, <laughs> and four, I thought the heartbeat part of the scene with Esme, Cara, and Alex was so sweet. Newborn babies are often comforted by the sound of a heartbeat, specifically their mother's heartbeat, because it's the most familiar sound to them. That is nice. Oh, that's cute. I like that. That was an amazing email uh, that gave us so many answers to questions about uh, Kelly just seamlessly transitioning into social work <laughs> without <laughs> seemingly any boundary or recertification of any kind. Maybe she's quit her job as a social worker so she could adopt Esme. Maybe. Maybe I mean, everybody's just quitting their jobs. Like, nobody has a job anymore. So Jean's just supporting all of them with his, like, uh, with his, like, lottery money from, like, reading people's minds. <laughs> the, I, I just assume he has, like, pirate gold or something that he got several <laughs> hundred years ago. <laughs> I think Jean goes, you know what I think? I think he goes to, like, Vegas, like, occasionally. <laughs> oh, he well, he could, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> deep in thought and just like makes a bunch of money and then just disappears. I think that's <laughs> probably how Any, it's done. <laughs> anytime funds dry up, they 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 hit Vegas. I'm, My favorite is that like uh Legends of Tomorrow actually explained like how they have money by like one of the characters like just stole some stuff and like was was just like hawking it basically. Uh but Supergirl's like never gonna get into that. <laughs> Just not even going to explain it. Doesn't care. We're good. <laughs> well, Lena from Russia sent us an email saying, a quote, can't leave some Kaznia issues go by without a comment. <laughs> yes. And uh, so I'm going to pull up an overlay because uh, uh, Lena from Russia sent us some, uh, some images that we could share so that we could all see what was going on. So the format of the car license plates uh, shown in the episode Hope for Tomorrow is used in the Vladimir region of Russia. Uh, and um, uh, Lena from Russia says, though, I now live in Moscow or Moscow. How do, how do people say that? I, I, I hear Moscow, both. but I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go with Morgan uh, and say Moscow. Though I now live in Moscow, I was born and spent my childhood in Murom, one of the major towns of this region. Vladimir, the administrative center of the region, is named after Vladimir the uh, First. I guess the name is Krasnosonishko. I'm hope I didn't butcher that. Uh, his name is translated to mean Red Sun. It's really interesting that they chose this license plate. I think it's necessary to explain, and I'm uh, actually, let me, before I go on, uh, I think I need to go here now. So uh, Lena from Russia yeah. says, I think it's necessary to explain some meaning of the color red uh, in Russian culture, as it seems that Russian red is mostly perceived as something bloody, aggressive, and uh, regarding the military. Well, that's partially true, but like in many other cultures, it also means life, wellness, and beauty. Moreover, Russian words for red and beautiful had the same root, and earlier they were synonyms. There is ancient, uh, there's an ancient expression, uh, I think it's, uh, I'm going to take a stab at it, Krasna Davitsa, which means a beautiful girl, but literally it also means a red girl. So peasant girls were fans of the red color. In that way, Vladimir's nickname doesn't nece necessarily mean it was given to him as a definition of a cruel, powerful reign, but there is a possibility that it per 
personified love and respect. As a proof of this theory, the word son in his nickname is the Russian version it is given in a soft form. What I'm trying to say is that there is some a godlike person, the red son, revered by the people, and this form of relationship definitely has some similarities to the relationships between Kryptonians and Rao in the Supergirl universe. In this case, the choice of Vladimir of the Vladimir region on a car plate is perfect. Though I believe this is just a coincidence. Good, re- uh, good reasons for speculations, but no more than that. But I, I think it's Ooh, great. This that's could, this, really interesting. I think Lena from Russia gave us a lot of, uh, a, a, like, like a layered interpretation of that license plate that gives a little more meaning to what they were doing. So I hope that's intentional from the show. Otherwise, uh, Lena just gave us some really cool stuff that we can kind of chew on, which I think is awesome. So thank I, you for writing in about that. I love you making it smarter than it definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> I really, that was so cool. That was so neat. And I learned things too. Yeah. This and is I, an educational podcast now. Yes. Really. <laughs> yes. Uh, there are some links in the video description of the live stream and we'll put them in the audio podcast show notes of the Vladimir region and of Vladimir the first. So if you'd like to learn more about Russian uh, countryside, I guess, uh, the <laughs> uh, and the uh, the region that uh, Lena is talking about and the uh, political leader that she's referring to, uh, you can definitely uh, go check that out. But I think that does give a little more context to the red sun of it all with uh, Kaznia in season four. So I really uh, I like that email. That's awesome. Um, okay, so now here are some emails about this week's episode, Nightmare in National City. This one is from Kenny, who writes, before I get to my thoughts on Supergirl season six, episode 16, Nightmare in National City, I wanted to give you my overall thoughts on so- Supergirl season six. While I have enjoyed most of Supergirl during its six-year run, this final season has been so disappointing on so many levels. Yes, there have been good seasons and not so good seasons and good episodes and bad episodes, but this season has too many inconsistencies in the writing, the character are making odd choices and why did they have to use magic as the main story arc i hope the rest of the season gets better i still love supergirl and hope the series gets a good ending as for this week's episode there was some good stuff with nia and her sister but the rest of it was pretty forgettable thanks for reading my emails and comments over the last six years and i hope supergirl radio will continue even after the series is over Sure. Well, thanks for writing in, Kenny, and sharing your thoughts with us uh, the last six years. And we'll definitely be uh, still talking about Supergirl. We're still here. (laughs) Until Morgan's like, that's it. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, We'll we'll just just keep doing it. Uh, So thank you for writing in, Kenny. Uh, okay, so Daryl sent us an email saying, quote, it's strange seeing Brainy constantly be green and the excuse they use is because William is around, but Brainy has no secret <laughs> identity, so I don't know who had that bright idea. It does beg, beg the question, why is he green in the first scene with just him and Nia? I bet they're saving money by just having a rotating schedule of characters who just aren't there. This week, Esme and Kelly are off to visit Esme's new uncle, James. I'm not used to watching. Uh, well, yeah, and James was in Calvintown. I appreciate the uh, the consistency in that. Uh, Daryl goes on to say, I'm not used to watching a Supergirl season where they are so concerned about what the public thinks. <laughs> and I don't like <laughs> it. They're introducing it way too late into the final season. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Daryl goes on to say, I don't like how William can just come and go into the tower as he pleases. The fight between Nia and Maeve is long over two overdue we need another Danvers sisters couch scene so we could be reminded what a healthy relationship between sisters look like but instead we get a scene between supergirl and william in the end but uh but by all rights should have been a Danvers sisters couch scene 
And Daryl also says they're really just repeating old storylines right now. Can Kara have two identities done in season one? I think also, <laughs> I think also Daryl, I think it was also done in season three. Uh, yeah. Daryl says Kara quitting cat code done in season three. She tried being just Supergirl before and it didn't go so well. At least she's not doing it this time because she's sad about a guy. <laughs> Once this next league crisis is over, what will Kara do for work? That's a great question. Mm. <laughs> and Daryl also asked uh, the question about uh, Brainy and Nia being back together, uh, which we've already talked about. But uh, thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts, Daryl. So Emma wrote in with some thoughts about Nightmare in National City, writing, I was so excited for a split second, thinking Lex had sent Nixley her own version of hope. But alas, it was not to be. I still don't get what the weird robo Nixley was or how it somehow turned into Lex. <laughs> um, neither do I. Uh, we got two Cat Grant mentions. I hope they managed to wrangle Callista Flockhart back for the finale. Uh, Gasp, two episodes in a row where Kara remembers she's a reporter and shows up to work? What is this madness? Uh, Kara quitting makes sense. I guess, given that she's never at work and she does have a lot on her plate, but I really don't like it in terms of her character story arc. Also, two-week notice, Kara. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the dome cut that truck in half. Is anyone else concerned that a few living things were also cut in half? I was. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I went to the dark place immediately. <laughs> um, when John said that Nixley with Dream's powers might be unstoppable, I initially thought, really? But then I remembered that Dream powers can do anything the plot demands and found myself nodding, yeah, that tracks. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate the in-show acknowledgement that Dreamer's ill-defined powers make her very overpowered. Uh, I'm still so confused about why they need public support. That said, I don't think Carr's apology was really an apology, and her saying that they'll stop Nixley no matter the cost probably isn't comforting the public much. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point because uh, yeah. Supergirl was like, we'll, we'll stop Nixley even if we have to take people's humanity away from them. Th that's not <laughs> They're super like, comforting. She's like, I'm sorry about the dome I dropped over your city, but I, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I would do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Supergirl. Uh, okay, aggressive. <laughs> well, Dr. Nicole Green sent us an email writing, quote, I'm really struggling to find the hope in this week's episode. No, I haven't forgotten. It was heated into the sun. As I was watching the episode, there were some strong parallels between Kara and what many people have been experiencing this past year. Uncertainty, discontent, and burnout. How topical. Many Americans are trading out their jobs for a new direction of what's being dubbed the Great Resignation. I can't fault Carr for being overwhelmed and wanting a break from the obligations of being a renowned reporter. She carries the weight of the world on her shoulders, a long-standing struggle that has been addressed in prior episodes, not to mention her extremely traumatic revisit to the Phantom Zone mere episodes ago. As we neared the end of the episode, I was leaning heavily on a moment of inspiration and hope from Carr to acknowledge her strain, reach out for help, and find a way to reestablish her work superhero life balance. Instead, we got what felt like a very abrupt and rash decision to quit her job after Andrea showed an unusual amount of <laughs> empathy and chill around Kara missing several key work obligations. I have to imagine I have to imagine Cat Grant would have a few things to say about this decision. We did get William bringing up a classic Cat Grant pearl of wisdom, which was nostalgic and well-timed. I thought for, for certain Kara was going to march into Andrea 
his office and find a solution to move forward with her idea of inspiring people through transparent or transparent world diplomacy. To say I was floored when she quit was an understatement. Now, I haven't forgotten we saw Cat Grant herself leave CatCo in season two, where Cat Grant's decision to move on from CatCo felt like a moment of growth in her pursuit of new and bigger challenges. Clara's exit feels like a concession and a severing of a major part of her identity. I'm trying to stay hopeful that the next few episodes will see Kara contemplating what she wants for her future. However, past experiences show us when Lex Luthor steps back into the story, we are in for constant chaos and an overemphasis on Lex's mastermind plots. I need some serious heart-to-hearts on the Danvers couch and some big talks between the super friends to understand Kara's decisions. Uh, where is Eliza's mom energy? Yeah, where is yes, Eliza doing maybe some art therapy between Esme Kelly and Cara. Oh my gosh. I would love that. <laughs> yes. A chat, a chat on the feelings balcony trademarked. Let us watch Cara heal. Cara Danvers is my favorite person. Alex Danvers also said that in season three. And I would hate for this episode to be the last time we see an adorkable bumbling reporter with a heart of gold and compassion for days. The world needs her right now. Unquote. I think those are some really great points, especially, you know, the, uh, the idea that even Kat Grant herself was like, bye Kat Co. I built this company, but I'm leaving. <laughs> but, but Kat also left it and to, to Dr. Dr. Green's point a higher pursuit. She, she became a press secretary and she did all this other stuff. Um, so there was a reason that she left. She, you know, went to a yurt and stayed in the yurt. And then she had all these ideas about what she wanted to do with her <laughs> life. So I think the only reason for me, if, if Kara quitting is like for good end of story, there needs to be something else that Kara is going to be doing. Yeah. In, I agree. In my opinion. Um, our last email comes from Mark, who wrote, So Kara and her team forced a big chunk of National City into a Stephen King novel because they were being menaced by a creature out of an anti-smoking PSA. <laughs> uh, <laughs> couldn't Supergirl have picked the creature up and carried it away or put the dome just over the nuclear plant to protect it? Sure, you'd have to fix the broken power lines, Ather, but... Think of the taco trucks that would have been spared. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Cara Danvers was once again proving that she is the most unreliable employee ever. At least regular people who just never show up for work at all don't blow off world leaders multiple times while doing so. There was no reason for her to have done that. Why am I hearing Rebecca's voice in my head right now? Do, do, uh, you, want, do you want to hear Rebecca's voice in your head? There was no reason for her to have done that. Okay. <laughs> Then they resolve it by remembering Cat Grant's line about having it all, but not at the same time and completely forgetting the time Carr talked about how she could have a much broader impact as a reporter than as Supergirl and also said something about Supergirl is what I can do. Cara Danvers is who I am, which I think is a direct crib from a Superman movie. It was actually uh, Dean Kane on Lewis and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Thanks, Rebecca. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but at least at the time, it gave them a decent bit of writing, so I'll allow it. I'll also give them credit for mentioning Franklin and Mackenzie, who must yeah. spend all, <laughs> all of their time out in the field actually gathering information for stories. But now Cara has quit her job, and uh, and Andrea, uh, Andrea actually called her out for being a horrible employee and joined the ranks of the people who are apparently all living off of Nia's entry-level salary and John's a secret mountain of stories. Stolen gold. <laughs> 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 Lastly, to touch on Nia's storyline, I have three thoughts. 
even though I'm not particularly a fan of the CW formula, I've heard it described as five minutes of action, 25 minutes of talking about feelings. I'm glad she got to resolve the story with Maeve, particularly since the show is supposed to be about sisterhood. I also like the bit where Nia called Brainy and then snarked at her sister with, that's my boyfriend. He has a 12th level intellect. But the final scene between them when everything came rushing out, don't get me wrong, the scene was great. But why was it the best written scene the show has had since the new showrunners came aboard was one that didn't have Carr in it at all. Carr didn't need to be in that scene, but why can't they write like that for her? Arg. <laughs> it is frustrating, I will admit. Yeah, yeah. It, it's tough. They're <laughs> capable of writing those things. They just haven't done that with Kara in a while. So uh, maybe the, the the last couple of episodes in the home stretch of the show, maybe we'll see something like that for Fingers crossed. King, fingers fingers crossed. and toes crossed. <laughs> All right. Well, Morgan, I think we should get to uh, I think so. snap Let's start snapping. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Our first set of snap judgments comes from at CM Gutierrez 74. Do you continue working at CatCo even if you are not fully present and your work reputation suffers for it? Or do you quit CatCo effectively throwing away everything you have worked for to save the world from Nixley slash Lex? I mean, this is the Cara quandary. It is the Cara quandary. So I, I am having to save the world from Nix, Nixley and Lex. That's that's the premise behind this. Yeah. I mean, I can see why Kara did that. Because she does see that Supergirl is more needed during this part. So even if I'm mad at Supergirl for being a quitter, I can see why she did it. So I might have to pick the, or do you kick, quit Catco effectively throwing everything you've worked for to save? I mean, if it's if it's working in the office or saving the world, I guess you do have to save the world. So I'm going to, that's one I'm going to pick. I feel like I'm going to continue working at Catco. <laughs> listen, I wasn't full. Uh, there was no point in history when I was fully present at that job. And my work, <laughs> and my work reputation deserves to suffer because I never show up. <laughs> but why ruin a good thing? Right. I can do it. I can have it all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so our next set of snap judgments are from Emma. First one, which crossover meeting would you rather see? Lena meeting Morgana Pendragon, Kara uh, meeting Marley Rose, or Le or Alex meeting Lexi Gray? Oh, Lena meeting Morgana Pendragon. That's, I mean, the the witch crossover. That's that's the witch crossover of my dreams, right there. Oh yeah, I think this is a this is a no brainer for me as well. I want to see that. I want to see the witches, uh, you know, get to meet each other. And Morgana's like, "Do you want a dragon?" <laughs> 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 there would also be a funny thing where like uh, Katie would be playing off of like herself doing like her actual accent. So I feel like <laughs> as the episode goes along, Lena just gets more Irish. <laughs> Play yes. slowly just become the same person. Yes. That'd be amazing. Um, okay. You awaken to find yourself trapped in a musical. Oh, I like Which this. musical would you want to be trapped in? Into the Woods, Wicket, or Les Mis? The only one I know is which one I don't want to be trapped in. 
Lame <laughs> Miz has pretty serious matter, uh, like subject matter, but it also has really good music. Good music, but I don't know that I want to be so, in the French Revolution. <laughs> I guess this this uh, uh, matters on like, are you the lead part? Or are you just like in the oh. chorus? Like, are you just a mm. background player? Like, I, I assume like we're we're the leads. We're I mean, like, I think we can be. If this is our musical, we can be the lead. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would want to be uh, in Into the Woods. The the songs are very hard to sing, but uh, but I like the fairy tale aspect of Into the Woods. So I'd probably say Into the Woods. So I've actually I don't have a lot of experience with Into the Woods. I don't really know the show, so I feel like I'm gonna go Wicked because I'm not gonna go into Les Mis. Everyone's gonna die in that thing. I don't <laughs> I don't want to hear the people sing. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting out of there. Uh, so Wicked seems Wicked seems chiller to me. Wicked seems chiller to me. It's yeah. still got a fairy tale aspect. Yeah. Uh, good songs. You so can I'm defy gonna, gravity. I'm defying gravity. <laughs> And you aren't bringing me down. <laughs> <laughs> because you'd be popular. So, so popular. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Yes. Great question. Okay. <laughs> last, I think. Last. Okay. Yes. Last snap judgment from Emma. It's your birthday. Yay. Happy birthday. Yay, happy birthday. And a mysterious package has been oh. left on your doorstep. Inside. A silver crown, a red cloak, and a golden dragon's egg. Oh, I like this. <laughs> also, a set of super detailed instructions. Oh, no. If you place the crown atop your head, you will instantly be transported to a medieval kingdom. We're really we're going to the medieval times. We're spending a lot. a lot of time in medieval times. <laughs> uh, and I haven't had a single turkey leg, and I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing here. Okay. You're putting the crown atop your head. You're going to instantly be transported to a medieval kingdom over which you rule as a benevolent uh, oh. and beloved queen, but it's currently embroiled in a decades-long war with its neighbor. Uh-oh. If you drape the cloak around your shoulders, you will travel back in time to Tudor-era era England, where you're the daughter of a duke, but you are fated to catch the eye of Henry VIII, who was the worst uh, to all the women in his life. If you pick up the dragon egg, you will gain the power to transform into a mighty dragon at will. But the price is one childhood memory per, per full transformation from human to dragon and back to human again. Which do you choose? I want to transform into a mighty dragon. Even, <laughs> even if I lose memories, like I'm still getting to transform into a dragon. <laughs> so I guess I could live with that. <laughs> uh I'm also picking the dragon. Here's why. I actually have a pretty bad memory, so I'm not losing anything. <laughs> it's not any different. I'm not losing anything I'm even going to miss, right? But I am a dragon in that scenario. It's... <laughs> What am I going to lose? One of like the three memories I my brain manages to hold on to. <laughs> it's all going to be like episodes of Buffy I watch. Don't worry, <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> that's a that's a great snap judgment. I don't understand why we keep going into these medieval uh, time scenarios and these <laughs> snap judgments. It's not really what this show is, but I love it. I like it. <laughs> anyway, I mean. <laughs> It's a twist I didn't see coming. Uh, <gasps> now I kind of wish we had Supergirl in medieval times. Like, just for one episode, she just gets, like, taken into medieval times. That'd be fun. They didn't know, <sighs> They didn't do enough wacky stuff on this show, honestly. Yeah. The places you, they could have taken this. She <laughs> could have been, a, like, a princess on a horse. The, on yes. a white horse. Ah. Uh, uh, opportunities uh, all 
around. All around. Okay. Our next snap judgment is from Mark. Now, Mark, Anna has started may I say, like a whole cottage industry of snap judgments because they're all extremely long now. No one sends in normal <laughs> short snap judgments anymore. They're all just trying. Anna, you've started your own genre <laughs> of snap judgments. And I hope that you're proud. Uh, okay, here's Mark's snap judgment. <clears throat> On the eve of the Supergirl series finale, you are abducted by relatively kind aliens. <laughs> Always something with these. Okay. You are allowed to bring one loved one with you, and they promise no harmful experiments or nasty probing will be performed, but you will never return to Earth, and you will never see the rest of your friends and family again. Or you find out how Super... uh, Or find out how Supergirl ended. Okay. Or... Before the series finale, you take a job as director of social media for the CW Supergirl and Supergirl Writers Room accounts, meaning you're the one who has to read and respond to Twitter and Instagram, and you sign a contract that makes the job impossible to leave. Then, in the series finale, the following happens. Kara decides a totally free and available Monel <laughs> is the true love of her life and goes to the 31st century to be with him. Mia and Brainy stay together in the present day. Alex and Kelly and Esme live happily ever after. And William's Canadian girlfriend turns out not only to exist, but is revealed to have been Lena all along. And the two of them go off into the sunset, making googly eyes at each other. Now, the question is, do you get, (laughs) I'm sorry, do you get abducted (laughs) by aliens? Or do you become the social media manager of Supergirl after that finale? <laughs> and remember, in the first option, you do, I, I don't think you see your friends and family. <laughs> no, you got like one, like a plus one, and that's it. That's it. But in the second situation, you have to read you have all to deal of with tweets. the fallout of that crab storm <laughs> of that finale. Hmm. Well, this is more of a thinker than you'd think. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would be the social media person because I would just lean into it and have a lot of fun with it. Like, because what are they going to do? You would fire just you? Trolling. What, what are they? What are they going to do? They can't fire you. What are yeah, they going to do under with that like point? A, a lockdown contract, right? This is your life now. <laughs> so I don't think I could uh, not see my friends and family, but I think I could put up with a few like hate tweets from people i would just i would do what uh damon lindelof used to do when he was on twitter and he would just be like like he'd he'd get somebody like sending some kind of hate his way and he'd be like hey man what's up like he would just like interact with them even though they were saying nasty things about them i think that I, that's how i would play it is i would just kind of troll troll them back i mean what's the alien life like up there? <laughs> Well, I mean, another another civilization to explore could make new friends, right? Um, <laughs> and you do get—I mean, you do get a plus one. I get—I get a plus one, so I can take Mike. You can take Mike. I can take Mike. Can I can't take that. the cats, though. Probably that's no. Be I don't—I don't think mm. the cats count. Mm. All right, all right. I would miss. Could the could, could mm-hmm. I take the lab cats, even though they would kill me because I'm highly allergic to cats? I mean, I would and miss they all could, of you in they that could, scenario. They could, I would take care of the lab cats for you, uh, and maybe I'll get over my allergies, and they can uh, be a source of comfort when I'm dealing with the social <laughs> piece. 
I will babysit I like them while you're like off it. with the aliens. I like it. Maybe I figure out a way to come back. I feel like it's safer than yeah. the other option. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think the snap judgment said it was forever. No. Well, they might have. They might have. Oh, well. Might be forever. (laughs) (laughs) But how bad is forever, right? (laughs) Okay. I mean, I would probably do this. So I would miss my friends and family. I would do the social media job. Um, I think I would just, I would just never respond to anything i would just be <laughs> aloof and untouchable in that job <laughs> just tweet out pictures every now and then you'd be fine and, you know what I would, <laughs> have you ever seen it's like the like the consumer uh protection agency or something there's one like u.s government uh, agency that just tweets out insane things it's like pictures of like a, a baby's head on like a falcon or something and it's like <laughs> watch out your baby doesn't get kidnapped by falcons and stuff like that i would be that but for supergirl it would, <laughs> it would be like a like a fever dream all of my tweets it would make no sense <laughs> you just start like tweeting out things you wish had happened on the show <laughs> exactly remember that episode where snapper snapped <laughs> director bones yes please <laughs> no one can stop me i'm under contract <laughs> I think that's a good way to go about it. I do want to respond to something in the live chat really quickly because I don't know why this is happening. So Bethany says, I sent an email to you guys. Would you be willing to read it? I know you're done with feedback. Uh, what happened? No. I hope it showed up. So let me let me take a second. Uh, so just so everyone knows, I don't know why this is uh, now becoming the case late in the game because uh, we've kind of operated uh, like this for a long time. Um, so just, just FYI, if you do want to send in, uh, feedback, there is a, there is a point in the day that I do stop, uh, compiling feedback because it just gets to a point where I can't do it anymore right before the live stream. So get your feedback in early and quickly as soon as you can, uh, cause we'll probably stop, stop taking it, uh, Wednesdays around, you know, 5 PM Eastern, I guess. So just FYI, if, if you do want to get your, uh, stuff read, uh, the week it happened. So Bethany, uh, so just to b- break it up in the middle of snap judgments, I'm going to read an email real quick. Sure. Uh, Cause I, I don't want people's, uh, feedback to go unread. but, uh, Bethany says, uh, I want to speak on the national guard aspect of the episode as a national guard woman myself. Oh, uh, so we have a, a national guard consultant. That's good. Another consultant. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're really Join building us. a team here. <laughs> So, uh, Bethany says, big fan here and a longtime listener. My name is Bethany. I have a lot of thoughts on this episode. First of all, I enjoy your, your, uh, podcast so much. It always brightens my day. Morgan, I love your cat. I hope you mean cats, Bethany, because she does have They're both two. They're great, but Luther <laughs> is more of the ham of the... <laughs> so, uh, love the cats, plural, because we don't want to show any favoritism. Uh, <laughs> Bethany says, that said, I love the car-centered storyline. But quitting Cat Code, this better uh, not be permanent. Would have loved to see her give that interview that meant so much to her and have a win. But whatever, I guess we will spend more time on Lex Luthor. Uh, I roll. But overall, good episode better than last week. Uh, she gave some hope back. They better tie this to the finale that she gets to eventually have it all uh, if we see her take a step back from reporting and uh, hopefully make it uh, the right call for what's going on. Um, so Bethany says, I'm in the National Guard and have been for four years and love their representation in this episode. But uh, where did those uniforms come from? Because that is not any National Guard or Army uniform anyone has ever worn since Desert Storm. Also, I want to pride Supergirl that they use somewhat correct terminology 
in that the governor would deploy us in that scenario. And my question would be then, wouldn't the National Guard have been used for many scenarios in National City? Like, where was the National Guard during the riots and everything else that they would have been mostly likely be that they would have most likely been deployed for several scenarios for several different seasons and especially a giant cat. Yeah, they probably get called in for that. Also, the police still haven't showed up, uh, shown up to help National City. No, uh, yeah, so not there. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think they, they get a mention every now and then. Uh, but sorry about that, Bethany. Uh, uh, the email came in uh, kind of when I was setting up things for the live stream. So just wanted to make sure we read that. So uh, if anybody in the live chat, if you, if you, you know, if you have emails that you want us to read, let us know just in case we miss them. Or uh, if you have tweets, put them, put links to them in the live chat because we do want to make sure everybody's voices and opinions get heard. All right. Having said that, let's dive back into snap judgments uh, because I think uh, are we um, are we still. We've got one we, set left and we, it's from Anna. We do have to get to Anna's snap judgments. Of judgments so let's get to them. Okay. Um, number one, what is the real reason Kara quit her job? She wants to be poor like Lena and live in a cottage in the woods and watch Lena do magic for the rest of her days. Or Kara is about to start her villain arc on the show. It's sort of, I mean, I could see this, some of this uh, <laughs> becoming into, I mean, it could be turned into a villain arc. She, she destroys hope and she quits her job uh yeah i could tell i mean if they really wanted to they could turn this into a, a villain arc i mean a juicy villain arc uh, it's not a lot of time left to do it but they could now i'm gonna go in a different direction okay i feel like cottage core cara could be really fun <laughs> she's like just out there gathering twigs and berries and stuff to make a tea and she's like uh lena look at i got you a eye of newt for your <laughs> for your last po for your next potion lena's like great and then they both sort of frolic together in the woods i think it's a, i think it's a great spinoff i think you know when the the show sort of winds down like you never know they maybe that cottage in the wood is woods is waiting for them they're both they're both poor now and the and lena loves magic so it's it's working out i think uh i think it would be a it would be a nice change of pace i think <laughs> it would be relaxing for them uh and i want that for them okay <laughs> so two uh her second snap judgment when you watched the episode and felt those moments of frustration and anger what were mm. you actually feeling? Uh, this one's going to get deep, I think. A deep <laughs> sadness in your core, as if you are a young girl, again hidden behind a pew, watching silently as they carry the casket of the baker's daughter, your only friend, who oh. died of the sweating sickness. The sweating Why? sickness? Are no. we back in the medieval times? <laughs> <laughs> what is everyone doing with us? <laughs> or... A deep hurt, the kind of hurt that sends a visceral feeling of fear and defeat through your system, as if you are, again, watching your parents destroy your manuscript because they say women shouldn't be published. So now it's like, a, I mean, we're still we're still in the past is the thing. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, OK. OK, so we're back in the past. We're in history. What are we feeling? <laughs> I think I'm feeling the uh, the the hurt uh, and the defeat through my system, uh, the feeling of fear and defeat through the system, uh, as if watching my parents destroy my manuscript. Uh, I think that's kind of where I am. I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm sad 
or frustrated, just kind of like, I feel broken down and defeated. I, I feel like there's nothing that can be done. So I think that's probably where I am. I think I'm also, uh, you know, they're burning that manuscript. I've worked really hard on it. <laughs> we, we had so many ideas. Director Bones. <laughs> I cry as I fall to my knees. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think that's sort of where I am mentally and emotionally. Thanks, Anna, for <laughs> capturing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. <clears throat> Last week on Supergirl Radio, you both decided to stay in the present day and not return to your medieval French child, Fleur de Lis. Anna, this is feeling a little judgmental. All right. Just, just, to, say, <laughs> just to start, I'm feeling a little judged. Okay. But she learns of your choice uh -oh. and she's devastated. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Hold on. <laughs> I got to get it together. Okay, she spends her days learning to understand time travel, which, unfortunately, leads her to become a hired assassin <laughs> in France in order to afford the funds to build a time travel machine. On her 14th birthday... She Wait, she's 14 and she's an, a hired assassin? <laughs> it's brutal. We left her. We left Fleur all on her own. My God, what have we done? Oh okay. <laughs> On her 14th birthday, she finally makes it to the present present day after years of hard work. 785 murders. Holy cow. Wow. Serial killer. killer stuff. She is a serious. I don't want to mess with her. <laughs> and, and confronts you in your bedroom at 4 a.m. That's not someone I want to see in my bedroom at no, any time. She, she's <laughs> a, a very scary assassin. In a teary monologue, she says... Marie, why did you not? Well, well in en France. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know. Mare. 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 Okay. So, Mare, why did you not pick me? All my, all I wanted my whole life was to be good enough for you, but you didn't love me enough to come back to me. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> tell her she's right and that you didn't love her enough and will never love her enough. And tell her to leave your home because it's the middle of the night. Or embrace her in your arms and apologize and offer to let her live with you. So what are we doing with our wayward child, Fleur de Lis, <laughs> who has murdered over nearly 800 people, <laughs> who has built a time travel machine, who has showed up in our bedroom at 4 a.m. to be a little judgy about our life choices? <laughs> what are we doing, Rebecca? Is, is Fleur de Lis still 14 at this point? I feel like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a uh, Anna, that's a tough age. I don't know if I want a 14-year-old, you know? That's a 14-year-old assassin who's killed almost 800 people? Like, like she's coming into my life, but she's like a teenager? <laughs> she's going to be so annoying. I don't know about this one. <laughs> I am going to choose uh, tell her that she's right and that I didn't love her enough and will never love her enough <laughs> and tell her to leave the home because it's the middle of the night. She's killed almost 800 people. <laughs> she needs to go to jail. So I don't I, I mean, I want to be forgiving and welcoming and accepting, but. You need to go to prison. That's not something you're not a kind of Florida lease is not a person who should be on the streets. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Because twist, I'm going in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's 4 a.m. This little killer is in my bedroom and she's like, Mama, love me. <laughs> <laughs> 
if I'm like, listen, listen, kid, not only do I not love you, I've never loved you. She's going to kill you. Definitely going to kill me. So instead, <laughs> instead, I'm going in another direction. I'm going to be like, oh, mon chéri, mama hug. And, uh, and then like the next possible opportunity, I'm going to turn her her butt into like Judy. She's gotta <laughs> she's gotta learn about the consequences of her actions and that like murder is bad and like we're gonna get her some psychological help and then she's gonna go to college way out of state. Way out of state. <laughs> she's boarding way school. Just- boarding school all the way. The 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 best boarding schools that mama can can afford is where that little killer's going. I'm going to live. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm really putting myself in danger to tell this 14 year old. I hope you know how to duck and roll out of that bed. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Elise. That really? was some, I like that. There's like now a continuity of our snap <laughs> judgment. There's just, there's a storyline, uh, a through line with the, the snap judgment. So I really I like that. We could really, we could start building a, a narrative. I, I, I think like this is a good one. So I saw one last snap judgment come through from Donna in the chat. Which would you prefer for your art collection? An original super friend drawing by Esme or a Martian Manhunter wall mural by Jean and Alex? I would prefer a super friend drawing by Esme. That was adorable. As much as I miss Megan, I don't want like a haunted wall photo of her up there. <laughs> she's gonna be in there. She's gonna, we've established she's in there. That's her. I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have. I got stuck with Fleur de Lis. I'm not getting stuck with a, a a haunted wall drawing. I can only take so much. I'm just a person. So I'm going with the Esme drawings, and they're not gonna haunt me. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> okay, well, I think we have we have really made some snap judgments. <laughs> We've really decided some stuff. I have a 14-year-old now. <laughs> <laughs> Just to save your life, you're gonna take that shot. <laughs> sure, mama loves you. <laughs> okay, all right, I think that's it for snap judgments. <laughs> No judgments on your snap judgments. I wish <laughs> normally I have like tissues around just in case I like sneeze or something. And now I wish I had them because now I'm crying. Um, okay. Well, that's going to do right. it for this episode of Supergirl Radio discussing the Supergirl season six episode titled Nightmare in national city and uh so at this point in the the supergirl radio episode and live stream we uh, typically will get to our supergirl radio and dc tv plugs so you can know uh how to keep in touch with us if you would like to do if you would like to contact supergirl radio you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com if you'd like to leave us a voicemail you can call us at 678-718-7252 you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on 
and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV Podcast also has a T Public store, so if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the T Public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Titans, Doom Patrol, Batwoman, Stargirl, Superman and Lois, and the upcoming Green Lantern, Justice League Dark, and Strange Adventure shows, and DC TV After Dark. You can subscribe to the DC TV Podcast Mega Feed on Apple Podcasts. Follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter. And like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook or else. This has been a message from Hope, inhabiting the Flash Vessel, also known as New Rachel. So speaking of the DCTV Podcast Tee Public Store, we have some Dreamer-related designs in that store. Yeah, so if you like Dreamer, you're a big fan of Nia, uh, we got some stuff in there. So go check us out. We got a lot of... Uh, cool things in oh boy, the here store. We go. And oh, we have a beaker sighting. Oh, straight in my face. Straight in my face. <laughs> beaker? Beaker, I haven't buddy. seen Beaker in a while. If you're gonna if you're gonna be up here, could you at least look at the camera? No. No. He, <laughs> He's he like, did no. not do this. <laughs> look at my butt or nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, so check out check out the T public store and follow at the Lab Cats on Instagram <laughs> yes. for more for more beaker. Uh, since he uh, uh, had uh, a short amount of screen time this week <laughs> on Supergirl Radio. Well, we would also like to thank our Legion of Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. Uh, those people are Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, uh, Quinn, Jessica, Nicola, Leslie, Susan, Abby, Armgard, Miriam, Shree, Donna, Nicole, Lizeth, and Anna. So thank you all for doing that. If you would like to support uh, Supergirl Radio on the Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Radio and choose from one of our monthly levels it gives you a little uh behind the scenes an extra supergirl radio uh if you would like to see some of our exclusive content that we put out uh most recently we reviewed the green lantern movie uh with ryan reynolds so if you want to see what morgan thought if morgan uh came to the side of green lantern have i come around on green lantern find out You'll have to become a Patreon supporter to uh, discover that information. Did, did, we, <laughs> did we pull her to the side of Green Lantern? One of the not? great mysteries of our time. Does Morgan <laughs> care for Green Lantern? Now? <laughs> uh, it's a good question to be answered. Um, and as a reminder, you still have time for our flat Supergirl photography contest. There is still time. Uh, you have until the season fin- series finale of Supergirl. So to enter, download and print this flat Supergirl image, which you can find in the video description of this live stream in the show notes of the audio podcast or at the right hand side of supergirlradio.com. Then cut out flat Supergirl and attach her with tape or glue to a popsicle stick, a pen or a pencil. And then you're going to want to take a creative picture with flat Supergirl. It can be a selfie. 
doesn't have to be a selfie. You can take her to sort of wherever you're going. It's getting towards the end of Halloween. Do you want to take Flat Supergirl into a haunted house? I think that she <laughs> I think that she would like it. So, zombie jumps out at her. She's super powerful. Just make sure that she doesn't burn anyone with her heat vision. She uh, could get scared and she use could the heat get vision. startled. She could get startled. So, you know, you want to keep her away from the performers. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> another important thing is to take a picture and then post that picture as many as you like as many haunted houses as you want to take her to <laughs> and make sure that you post it to twitter instagram or facebook and tag at supergirl radio and don't forget to use the hashtag su- at uh hashtag supergirl adventures yeah you definitely should take her to some haunted houses please show us those pictures <laughs> if you do uh well you can follow me on instagram if you'd like it uh at the derby kid i post the occasional picture over there uh you can also subscribe to my youtube channel youtube.com slash duck milk prod uh, i'm trying to get back into doing my weekly uh batman v superman dawn of justice uh top critic reviews uh, so trying to, trying to work through those, uh, I'm doing pretty well, but I've still got a long way to go. So <laughs> if you want to come hang out with me and, uh, do that there, uh, feel free to, uh, cause they're actually a lot of fun and, uh, very insightful, uh, to, to, to read, uh, what people in the, who join me in the chat think it actually helps my experience with that. Also, I just want to remind people while we're here, we are raising money for the Breast Cancer Research Foundation of Alabama. So if you would like to participate in our little mini, uh, charity fundraiser we're doing this week and next week for the live streams uh check the uh, link in the description of the video or in the audio uh podcast show notes and you can contribute if you would like certainly would appreciate that uh if you did that so i just wanted to put that reminder out there uh, and and, uh, thank you in advance for your donations Yeah, don't forget our charity fundraiser. Uh, That's really awesome. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. You can also find me as a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, uh, where this new season started up. It's happening. It's going. uh, And so far, so good. Okay. Uh, so, so if you watch last season, you were like, I don't know about this show. This show is getting a little. Don't maybe come back. Maybe come back. <laughs> you can blame it all. Uh, no, but like definitely, even if you decide, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to come back. The podcast is still here for you. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Just keep listening. Uh, but yeah, so we're having we're having fun with the show being back, even though our hiatus was like one day. And we, <laughs> we would have liked a little bit longer, but it is what it is. Uh, so we're we're happy to have the show back and excited to see where they're going to go for this new season. Very cool. Well, I'll definitely be listening, even though I won't be watching, <laughs> uh, but I will be uh, checking out the podcast. Um, and so thank you for the service that you provide in that case. Well, uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we're sorry, but we really have to go and interview some very important international diplomats. And we've already had to reschedule twice. I think the 
CW are just trying to win the time slot war with Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.